Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zoomy. If you're brand new to this show, the show's all about a little known card game called Magic the Gathering. I'm taking my headphones off because I don't need them anymore. Oh my god, my hair looked terrible. I hate when my hair is this short because um, now it's getting to the part where you can see like my bed head and all that stuff and still can't really brush it to do anything with it. But um, anyway, so we've got an episode for you all. We brought on Andy and Coyle from the Guardian Project podcast, and we talked, uh, you know, there's some magic talk in there. There was a lot of D&D talk, and there was plenty of Lord of the Rings talk as well, too, that you may enjoy if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. And then we talked about uh, so much other stuff, too. Um, so I hope you all enjoy this. I had a great time recording with them. It was a lot of fun. Um I could have gone on for at least another hour, but at the time of the recording, I had to stop because I'm like, oh crap, I need to go to bed soon and wake up early. So um, before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way. Uh, you can help support this show on Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby, and you can email me, or you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at magicwithzuby, on Instagram at magic underscore underscore Zuby. You can find me on TikTok at MTG Zuby, I think it is, or at magic with Zuby. And you can um, reach out to me via email at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And we are also sponsored by cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, sell your magic singles and sealed product. And we have one quick little commercial, and then we will get on with the episode with Coil and Andy. And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... Anormie? Yeah, exactly! Anormie! Well, have I got the show for you. The all-new Magic for Normie show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic Magic for Normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, Pixie Kitten Plays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic Wazubi RSS feed. Do-do-do-do-do. Magic for normies. Hey, everybody. It's Zuby, and I have got uh, the dynamic duo of Andy and Coil of the Guardian Project podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you? Eh, you know, I'm just glad to finally do this, because I think we had it, what, originally scheduled last month? And then... Yeah. And then last month. life happened. I, I honestly can't remember what happened at the time. Oh, oh, that's right. My wife's grandfather passed away. Yeah, that's mm. right. Oh, sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. Um, and then, 2020 was still happening and it was a hot mess. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's been hell, even 2021, you know, we're, we're even like, yes, we weren't even so six days into it. And yeah, <laughs> December 37th, 2020 is what right. we refer to that. Well, wouldn't it be, wouldn't technically be, oh yeah, it would be December 37th, yeah, because 31st. It's mm-hmm. like just a casual insurrection and all that, you know, just no, no, no biggie, no biggie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no biggie. Oh, man. So how you all doing tonight? I'm glad we could finally get get this done because we played EDH a bunch. I've been on your podcast, I think, um, was it a year ago or longer? Yeah, something, like, what, what had just come out? It was... I, 
don't Ikoria, I think Ikoria was coming out. I think so. It was earlier Maybe. last year because we were talking about previews that were coming out, and you've streamed with us, and we've streamed yeah. with you. So mm. you know, we just it was just the next step. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the inevitability, as Thanos would say. <laughs> I don't get it. In the famous no? words of Thanos, no, no, the famous words of Thanos. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so you all have a podcast, Guardian Project podcast, and how long has that been going on for now? We just recorded, we released actually today, episode eighty-three. We Ooh. record weekly, so. It's been about a year and a half, about a year and a half now. Um, It's been a while. Nice. Before you know it, five years is going to go by. Oh, my gosh. I can't (laughs) wait. You can't wait for five years to go by? I don't know. I've just, I feel like I'm at that, like that, that point in life, like that age in life where life stops going slow and starts going fast. And five years really is just going to flash before my eyes. But yeah, it will. I don't want to. Dude, I'm gonna have an 18 year old that. this year. That's how that's wow. how fast life is going by, and all that. And then my daughter is gonna be tw- my other daughter is gonna be 12. So it's wow. it's insane. And they're they're at the age where it's like they want nothing to do with me now. It's like, yeah, <laughs> they're at that teenage like. Oh, are you the, are you the nerdy dad? Oh fuck yeah! And I embarrass the <laughs> shit out of them. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, at least they at least I. I I tried to get them into magic and all that, and they just they're they're just not into it. And yeah. but but they do love D anD D, so that's at least there you one go. Plus, yes. Yeah. What about what is their feeling on Star Trek though? My youngest, uh, she loves Voyager, um, okay. and that's probably the only one she likes. My oldest, she doesn't really care for it. Okay. She, she likes Doctor Who though. She loves Doctor Who and Supernatural mm. and all that. So it's you know I can keep her. Sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah, she doesn't have to go. Yeah, no, <laughs> she doesn't have to go. Um, yeah, so you guys have been doing that for about a year and a half now. Um, what's that been like for you both? What have you What have you liked about doing it? What have you found out? What have you learned and all that other good stuff? So we've learned that it's way easier to do a podcast when you're organized. <laughs> what? <laughs> Crazy. I know. I, I don't know. I don't speak. I'm not going to speak for both of us, but probably the community that we've been we've been introduced to is probably been the best part. And the yeah. patrons that we have and the friends that we've made um, sounds cheesy, but that really is. It's been the best. You know, I can play Commander whenever I want now, and obviously now that we've been playing from home, you can play whenever uh, almost, and that's been the most rewarding, I think, to me. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I wasn't I wasn't originally part of the podcast right from the get go. I was kind of watching it from the outside and I was to be 100 percent super jealous uh, that that two of my friends could get on and just talk about magic for an hour. Oh, and who, release who was an the episode. original host or co-host? So my original co-host was Brian Leithead, and then he had um, some things come up. Um, he got married, and he's having a baby in the next couple of weeks. And so, um, and that, along with school, was just a lot. So um, we talked about it, and he said, there's a lot going on. And so I said, Coyle, would you like to come on as, as a co-host? <laughs> and then we made that change around episode, I think it was, you came out on episode 20, correct? Yeah. You had been on, so you could participate to see how the flow goes, and then yeah. you officially came on on episode 20. Yeah, and that was that was after the first at the first and only episode not featuring Andy Flory. 
I've only not been in one show. I oh, work wow. and I traveled for work and I had to be out of town and I had no way that I could record. And we were not prepared to record from home like yeah. we are now because we recorded from home for so long because we couldn't get together. Um, yeah, there's only one show I haven't been on. Yeah. But oh, wow. I guess in those in those early episodes that I was on, it kind of felt like we were recording an episode almost for ourselves and kind of releasing it into the void. We didn't have a big following or anything. And, um, the following really, really grew, like Andy said, um, in the year 2020 during, during COVID when everyone went online and, and was able yeah. to see our content when we started streaming commander games. And so then it became, um, less of a, you know, we're just having fun getting together and talking about it, it actually became kind of a little bit of a responsibility, but it's still fun to do every yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. But now we have this obligate. If we, we feel like we have an obligation to the people who are listening to the episode every week and, you know, we don't want to disappoint. I think we, we might even take it harder now than we did before if we were to mess up or do something like that. No. And, that, yes. and I think that's one of the important things to learn about doing something like this is the having fun part, um, making sure you're enjoying it. And because, I mean, you, you're you all are both of you are just like me we're not doing this full time or anything um right. and you know if it's not worth or if it's not if you're not having fun doing it then it's just not worth doing and right. um it's yeah i can tell you 5 years going into this cuz i think actually it's either this month or beginning of next month it'll be 5 years for this podcast and i've been having a blast doing it like more so than ever cuz 2020 i thought was I, I honestly thought I was going to be near the end of my journey with this and just something uh -huh. happened in 2020 where you know the pandemic happened and just st it started becoming more and more fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we got totally to release agree. a lot more content this year yeah. than obviously than we had in the past. And now that we're streaming every Thursday night, um, we've been able to, um, I guess, share that live with with folks and then and get feedback on our decks that we hadn't previously gotten and and we've talked about it before i've seen more decks than i think i would see or would have ever seen um variety of deck wise because we're playing with people that aren't in our local meta games yeah. so i i get to see decks that my friends wouldn't have built you know a 50 dollar budget deck this or 150 dollars budget this i mean that's been that's probably been one of the most interesting things oh yeah the yeah. amount of edh that i have played in the past year is because before before the pandemic i'd maybe get with my friends once a month to be able to play some edh because that mm -hmm. was all we could do you know mm -hmm. and when virtual edh slash spell table came out it's been oh my god <laughs> i've played so much edh it's it's like that's all i want to play it's so hard to sometimes play arena some days because yeah. i'm like oh this sucks i could just quickly play some edh instead we learned about spell table because of you because we were streaming using whereby the program whereby and we yeah. tried using skype we tried using other programs and then you said use this new program spell table and i remember it feels weird saying I was there when spell table started because we started using <laughs> Did it. Do you remember when like, it was called virtual EDH? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hipster, was, hipster and, stuff. And they kept changing the interface. Yeah. And so we had like, um, we had already cropped everything so that we could um, capture it for OBS. And I was like, oh my gosh, they changed the website again. I need to quickly. Oh my God. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we went that. through it probably four or five times, but I feel like we were there as they like really exploded. Yeah, I remember one of the um, one of the creators of Spell Table came in on one of our streams yeah. and he oh, freaked yeah. out because yeah. I disappeared in the middle of the stream um, <laughs> because my my mouse 
has a back button that I accidentally hit and then I disappeared. And it was just, it was, it was right before, um, right before Channel Fireball's first uh, Command Fest at home. So they were like, we're trying to fix all the bugs. And then this just happened where I just dropped out of nowhere and they were oh, freaking man. out. But that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I, when um, I, I remember Spell Table had a thing where in the beginning you couldn't have two webcams plugged into your computer. For whatever reason, it would it didn't like that, and, okay. and the the creators of Spell Table, I remember reaching out to them about that, and dude, they were so responsive and mm-hmm. told me exactly like you know what to look for and you know and and how they could fix it and all that, and dude, the guy came out with a hot fix within a couple hours and all yeah. that, just like holy shit, they were they were awesome, and you know I'm happy that they got bought out by Watsi. And all that mm-hmm. were required, I should say, whatever the terminology mm-hmm. is. Um, I'm still a little apprehensive about it. <laughs> hey, well, I feel like we're only going to get the be- we're only going to see see benefits from it. I'm trying. I, I don't so. think of it negatively, but it'd be it'd be. I mean, the more the more enhancements that they can give to it would would be great. I, I think it'll be a really good for Watsi. It'll be a really good data collection tool on mm-hmm. how many people are logging and using it and how many people are using what commanders the most. Give me that data. Sweet, oh, sweet yeah. data. Sure. I didn't even think about collecting the commander data would load it up in there in that commander I mean, spot. I mean, maybe they can. I don't know, but it, it, it would make sense that you could load I've up I've even that seen data. folks playing Oathbreaker and they've been using the second slot for the commander because you can actually, up, you can type in your signature spell. So people oh, have been using it because it's pretty easy to track Oathbreaker as well. Oh, yeah. And the thing I love about it is, I mean, not just for Commander, but uh, I'm sure you've seen me stream the the four-person sealed games that we've done. and because mm-hmm. Yeah. It, dude, it's just like, it's a perfect program, and it's like, even when all this is over, vaccines are, you know, gone and done, and um, Magic Fests are back, like, I'm still going to be using this for, like, streaming for I don't know how long. We'll stream every Thursday. We've done, we've done Two-Headed Giant, and we also, we found a capture... Uh, program for plane chase so we were able to display that on stream as well so we've we've done plane chase and two had a giant on stream okay. and that's really fun as i'm well. gonna need to talk to you off camera on how to do that <laughs> especially plane chase and two had a giant because there's yeah. been talks about that but i'm like to me it sounded like a pain in the butt like i'd have to secretly chat with my partner to be able to determine okay what cards do you have or something you know so we did we did do that, um, but the fact that we, Andy and I both have like two or three webcams, we were able to just have another webcam off to the side where we could show each other our hands and, and do that with Two-Headed Giant. Mm-hmm. And then we were playing sure. against uh, Tap That MTG with Leslie and Shauna. I think they were in the same room. They were in the same room at the time, so they would just oh, hold their okay. hands up and we would hold ours up to the second webcam or wherever it was. <laughs> yeah. just, he would go, the second card over, don't do that one. You know, whatever it was. So yep. it worked. Yeah. yeah, it could work. It could work. Yeah. Yeah. But you just need to make sure whoever you're playing with, they have two webcams for yeah, it. Essentially. But, um, no, um, no, it's been great, uh, for EDH and, you know, your guys' podcasts have been, it seems like it's doing well. Um, you guys have got a really cool community and, um, you know, and you've been able to share that community with mine as well and vice versa. And all that, yeah. and I appreciate that. It's um, it's been fun. It's you know some of the EDH games we have. I'm still never for- gonna forget that Grixis versus Azorius EDH game. <laughs> that was, it was like gross, and I love every it, minute. It was of gross, it. and um, and, and it the the thing that I liked about it was, you know, all of us were playing disgusting decks, so it wasn't yeah. like 
it wasn't the thing like where you know andy's the only one playing azorius control and everyone else is trying to play fair decks right it's yeah, no. <laughs> Zuby also played gross Azorius control. Oh yeah, and oh, I yeah. played gross Grixis control. And then <laughs> and then I remember Johnny. He played what just Nekasar Grixis yeah. wheel stupid stupidity. It was Grand yep. Arbiter Lavinia Nekusar and then Nicobolas Grixis Nicol- flip Nicobolas. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That, that was, game was a lot of fun. It was great. And then when you um, what was it? You did the knowledge pool lockout. At I that tried, one point, I and uh, what was it? I think I think because I already had Teferi out on the field, uh, the the five mana planeswalker. Where oh, just, yeah, you you were able to minus and get rid of the knowledge yeah. pool. And then hey, the Azorius players got there, and that was the right. plan. So. <laughs> the Grixis players were very Grixis, and the fact that we did start killing each other towards the end because there can only be one. And the whole time, Zuby's uh, Rhystic study didn't get removed, and no. he was oh like, my God. "I'm holding like 80 cards." Okay, I don't know what. I thought I was right. going to get milled out at one point because I don't have a lab maniac or anything in that deck, but thank mm-hmm, God I was mm-hmm. able. Because, and I think I had Smothering Tithe out too at the time. And I had so many treasures. So I, I think I was, if I remember, wasn't I able to approach twice on the same turn or something? Yeah. I think I yeah. did approach, then dig through time, then approach again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. God, it's so no, we've been gross. speaking of growing our community. We've been able to utilize discord and oh, yeah. you were gracious. and You invited us to your discord channel, which was really great. You know, you have a lot of really great people in yours and we've, been able to look at how you had things set up and figure out some automation and the bots that you're using to make it a better experience for our community. So oh, actually great. this year, one of our New Year's resolutions was to really revamp our Discord and we're going to try to um, get it linked well up. On, with, well on the way to that already. We are. So we have we have rules now, not that we're being sticklers about anything. We just we yeah. have like kind of like a code of conduct. Um, yep. We have a lot of emojis that we had made. We reorganized our channel, yeah, uh, our that. channels. Yeah. So, and we're trying to get that linked up with Patreon now. So that's kind of our next thing is is to get patrons actually access in an automated fashion, as opposed to having to send me a direct message and me get them an invite. <laughs> yeah. No, I finally got all that set up um, too. And I love the bot. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it, the Apollo bot, where I used to sign up for. Do, do you, have you seen that in my Discord? The I've seen the it. Sign-ups? We don't use it, but that's when you use to sign up for your streams. Yeah, so yeah. so handy. Um, and um, it's it's what I've started doing in my Discord because you know I get a lot of people wanting to play, come on stream and mm-hmm. all that. So now I've started doing thing where all right, just sign up, you can play for a game, and then we'll switch out other people. Yeah, and all that, mm-hmm. and it's been great. It's been great yeah. doing that. I just got to find a way to link that bot to a Google calendar to automatically create Google events. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. We need to find that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, um, cause not only that, but I've been wanting to, cause you know, I book a lot of podcast guests obviously. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I live and die by my calendar now. It's I'm, I'm at that age where I'm old enough to where I don't know. I don't know anything that's going on. If it's not on my calendar, I don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I need to figure out something because I need to be able to send calendar invites to, you know, my guests and all that stuff. And and just as soon as we figure it out, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, because it's I mean, I know I could easily just do a Google calendar invite, but I mean, like, there's got to be something better and easy where I can just shoot something instead of just having to gather all these email addresses. Right. 
because mm-hmm. what if yeah. some what if some of the people I'm interviewing don't want to give that out, you know? Right. Which for good right. for good reason, you know. Yeah. So yeah, let me know about that because that'd be so handy, and especially for the streams too. Because aren't I due to come on your stream like next month or something? Or I already yeah, forgot. I think the second <laughs> week of February. <laughs> yeah, we have what we're doing right now is we're just tracking on Excel spreadsheet in one of our shared Google and in a in a spread shared spread. Oh my gosh. A shared, shared spreadsheet yeah. on, on Google Drive, <laughs> and um, but we would love to get that into some sort of a calendar. So yes. yeah, you're, I, you're currently scheduled for February 11th, and our fourth guest is not confirmed. Oh, so not confirmed yet. Okay, okay. Let me make sure I have that in my calendar now. <laughs> I can't remember if I added it or not. Um, February 11th, because that shouldn't be a magic for normies. Um, hold on, I'm gonna put in my. Calendar Last now. Thursday before Valentine's Day. That's right. Maybe we'll do a love theme. Well, isn't Valentine's oh. on the 14th or or is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think so that, that makes it a Sunday, right? Yeah. You have to. So in that case, the, every deck has to be themed in some way towards Valentine's Day, but you can pick how that's themed. If your commander has a bow and arrow, you'd be like, well, Cupid has a bow and arrow. That way it's Valentine's theme. You have to stretch, oh, stretch, okay. the, stretch the theme. Hmm. I'm running Vivian's arc bow. Therefore, it's a Valentine's theme. Okay. Okay. Now I got to think like of any of my existing decks. Um, I mean, there's... if it's red and it loves you by sending you red hot lightning bolts, Torbrand. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say like Tor- Torbrand. Theme. He sends a lot of love with fiery emancipation, um, yeah. you know, like shatter skull summoning and uh, price of glory and citadel of pain. Hey, it, it's a type of love that people are into the pain. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah. See? Anything works. See. Or um oh 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 or it could be my mono black Yara deck because she wins a lot by devotion so you know being devoted to a Yara you know yeah as oh. as she slowly drains your life each creature you can... comes in it gives out a Valentine card to Ayara <laughs> yes you can you can play blue white control uh, and then it'll be like your significant other on Valentine's Day and you can only do something if they say it's okay. Oh, <laughs> like basically call it Mother May I, Mother May I, please pass this spell. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! Oh man! But yeah, that's um, that I, I'll have to think about that whether because I know I'm building. So I just got done with my birds deck. I know I'm going to be buying the cards for a Vernic Cascade next. Um, okay. I don't. I don't think that'd be very love theme. And then my next one, oh, ooh, if I have it done in time, because my next deck is going to be Rogak and his Kitty Falthus. I know that's not the best oh. partner command uh, combo and all that, but I don't care. It's I my, my my whole like story behind it is there's a little kobold has a pet kitty, and um, you know he's going to gather some of these weapons and try to swing and kill people. And there's a mutate sub theme as well too. Okay. Like as he levels up, Oh no, he turns into a dirge bat or something. So like, (laughs) how does, how do they, I want to know how these two characters are meeting. And I want you to incorporate the fact that the cat is literally stronger than Rogrock when they first meet. (laughs) Well, so the cat is a familiar, right? Um, Uh so, you know, it could be the kobold. He, he's a warrior, uh, you know, got banished from his 
try because you know he wasn't as strong or anything like that and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i don't he happened to come across a spell book and opened it up and out popped this cat and the cat was an asshole to him and then <laughs> they they eventually got along um, that's okay. Just right off the cuff, I just made it all. I, I like it. that the cat was an a hole. <laughs> yeah, classic cat. <laughs> I have two, so I would know. I, I'd almost want to make that a D and D character now. Just a cabold a, a fighter that um is in low strength, um and has got uh and, and somehow convinced the DM to let me have a cat familiar that just doesn't follow any of my commands. <laughs> you gotta take one just take one level of wizard get that familiar right. all the other levels going into fighter yeah for sure that well, wouldn't be bad yeah no sounds terrible <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> but isn't that the fun of D though to play it it really is. i mean yeah it's it's all fun in games to like play the optimized characters and all that stuff but you know sometimes you want to play the stupid ones well, that's like in our campaign when Andy casts four tidal waves in one turn and then I'm sitting there just hoping I survive the fight so I can talk to the person after the fight because that's that's what I do in D&D. Oh, it was oh, my first talking. campaign, so I was a storm sorcerer and I didn't actually really know what I was doing. So I was given some really cool feats where I could like travel and turn into water at some points. I was just and and I tidal waved the party a few times. I needed things to happen and we needed to get going. It's, it's so. not the worst thing in the world to happen. Um, so so quote, you're you're ones who like to try to talk to the enemies and all that. Yes, um, I I pretty much always play a rogue, and I max oh, out no. are, dece- deception and persuasion. Uh, are you one of those rogues who's like always has to steal something or has the worst ideas ever? I have the best ideas ever. Okay, and I don't steal things. I take things that rightfully belong to me. Oh god. So 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 story time a little bit. So last Friday in my campaign that's been going on for two plus years. Um, mm-hmm. They finally, they're in hell right now, and they fought a Baylor for the first time. At, with Baylor, which is basically a Balrog from Lord of the Rings. Um, and the rogue thought it would be a good idea to climb on the back of the Baylor to try to stab it. And I, 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 it, so, so my campaign has, has had a history of really bad rogues. Um, and, and, the, and the bad rogues have been mainly bad players. Um, we, 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 in the beginning of the campaign, we had this rogue, he wanted boots of elven kind and the, and the, the cloak of elven kind so bad. Um, mm-hmm. he literally walked into a magic shop, asked for, you know, the boots and cloak, but it was too expensive for him. Cause he only had like 50 gold or something. I'm like, there's no way you're going to be able to buy it. So then he says out loud, Oh, I'll just come back and steal it to, to the shopkeep. And I'm all like, um, did you just say that out loud? I'm like, he's like, yep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> now you've got guards following you and are yeah. watching your every move. And and then it got to a point so bad with that, that rogue, the PCs had to tie him up and just like tie him to a chair and just keep him there because he would just keep on doing the dumbest things. It was- <laughs> See, that's... That's when that's when the DM needs to come in and just perform a quick murder. That's all you got to do. 
Well, well, the player eventually had to leave the campaign. So, oh, okay. so, so what I did was I took some liberties with his character, where I I, I role played just like him, where he would um he would because he was really good at deception and persuasion right so mm-hmm. really good at persuading people that he was something that he wasn't so he managed to join with some really powerful enemies um to convince him like yeah yeah he's this badass drow elf um and all this stuff with them and he um and, and but but what was funny was everyone else in the party knew that this drow elf was like serious business like if you cross them you're not just gonna die like you're gonna serve in hell and all that stuff um Mm -hmm. but no one everybody in the party just sort of like okay sure let let them let them burn (laughs) yeah go for it go hang out with lolf and all the drow yeah oh man but i i i love dming it's that that's my that's my passion with dnd it's been so much fun doing um but yeah as far as that rogue that climbed on the baylor he he did die so it wasn't makes sense the smartest idea Um, you climb onto the back of a molten being i mean you're gonna get hit by some molten stuff yeah i I basically ruled it to where stuff yeah i basically ruled it where he did catch on fire and Mm -hmm. basically all of his equipment because he he did end up getting revived or or okay or healed or whatever because because they're all like level 15 16 at this point and you mm-hmm. think maybe level 15 16 the rogue would be a little bit smarter not to do do something like that but um anyways so um so ba- basically what i had happen was anything that wasn't magical it's completely gone from him so I think all that leaves is his cloak and his sword. So it's so I'm like, you're basically naked right now <laughs> mm-hmm. in hell. Well, it's <laughs> so, hot there, so yeah. it's yeah. better not have clothes on, I it's guess. That's true. That's Maybe. true. I mean, well sauna. Maybe. Oh, oh yeah, and that's right. He did sell his soul to uh Rakdos, because I cause I put Rakdos down there as sort okay. of like a as sort of like a demon king or something, and he sold his soul okay. to Rakdos. To, okay. To um get some better gear. I'm like for just did the gear burn? No, no. I, or I was it the magical stuff. I haven't decided what magic item to give him because it's definitely going to be cursed. I just oh, don't okay. know what to give him yet. Cursed in a Rakdos fashion. Oh I yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So fun and murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so um, what's been up, guys? It's been up. I'm glad I get you. I built a new deck. Which one? We're getting ready. So I built a um, Togo and Arden deck. So a Boros equipment deck. So Arden is the one that at the beginning of combat you can equip anything, uh, any equipment and auras to a target creature you control. And Togo is the one that makes all the rocks. So landfall, it makes a rock. The rock can equip, and then you can tap and throw a rock. That's right. That's right. I I just I just want to I need to interject real quick. Because Arden does not say target creature you control. It says target creature or player. Or player. Coil did create. But it could did, be, a, it oh, could be really? a cre- an opponent's creature. It could be. It could be. Because Coil has built a deck. He'll, I'm sure he'll talk about it. But yeah. No, I took it for a... Um, it's, it's maiden voyage for the first time. I did not win, but it, um, I, I saw changes that I need to make. I don't typically play Boros. I also don't typically play equipment. Um but I'm gonna try and make it work. I, I'm gonna make some tweaks before before I decide whether or not I'm a huge fan 
or if it was a dud. I don't know where I landed yet, but one game is not enough. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty cool. I got to make four or five rocks, though. And honestly, that was really all I was looking for. Yeah, and if now you can, I can say I've done it, kill someone by throwing rocks at them, then I think that's huge flavor win too. Yeah, yeah. especially if it. especially if they're a stoner. Ha. <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. Sorry. Pretty, pretty good. Um, so I, I did not men- notice that with Arden where any number of auras to target permanent or player. So you thinking curses? So so yeah, so I built I built a bant uh curses and like all of the um auras that are like the the vows and the ones where they goad uh your opponent's creatures and stuff. Okay, so I'm in I'm in love with this deck already. Who who's the other command or who's the other commander? Uh Kaidel. Kaidel so, is that yeah, also so, partner? Uh yeah, so Kaidel is two color partner in Simic. Oh, so combined with Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The yeah. original partner, yeah, yeah one of the originals. Right. Okay. So uh, she says you, you could tap for a colorless mana for each card you've drawn yeah. so far this turn. So the, the caveat for this deck is it's it's also uh, companioned with Karuga. So everything is 3 CMC or higher. And that's pretty much just to have a card draw thing that's like, quote unquote, starting in my hand at the beginning of every turn. And it synergizes well with Kaidel. But really, the deck is all about putting curses on people, vows, and that I kind of stuff love on creatures. This. And then um, win conditions are either mill, because I have some mill enchantments in there, and mm-hmm. Karuga hopefully will draw me like 20 cards in one turn at some point. Okay. okay. Um, Colossification. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Because Arden, so Colossification, when it enters the battlefield, whatever uh, creature it's enchanting gets tapped, and then Arden can just move the aura over to like himself or herself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Arden's pronouns um, and so then it doesn't have to tap you can even use it as a combat trick and attach it to one of your opponent's creatures to tap it down and then attach it to Arden so that they don't have a blocker um, and the other one is corrupted consciousness to steal someone else's giant creature and then it gains infect and then kill someone with their own creature with infect oh my god should be fun completely untested not gonna play it tomorrow because it's untested <laughs> that sounds that's the best time to play it when you make all the mistakes live <laughs> and the audience tells you how much you messed up yeah. oh isn't that the best <laughs> magic players are not afraid to give their opinion but at they all gotta right keep now. me honest though and they're like andy the card does not say that and i look at it and i go i don't know what oh oh, oh yeah now. oh yeah for rule mm-hmm. stuff but <laughs> it, it's it's always like they're not afraid to tell you like when something sucks Oh, true. Yeah, true. Got don't that. don't touch my trash, as we yeah. like to say in our Discord. <laughs> yeah, don't don't touch my trash. It's like I know it's trash. Oh my god! So, Coil, you're giving me so many ideas. So I want to think. I think I want to build something similar, but not with Kaidel. I'm looking mm-hmm. at maybe going either Esper or or Jeskai or or even Mardu or something. I think that's automatically going to be a better idea because if as long as you include black honestly that's yeah. where you get a lot of your curses and stuff from the only reason i went with kaidel is because i wanted karuga and the and i have to get those two colors somehow oh, and okay. and thrasios is only two cmc so it wouldn't be legal with karuga yeah oh my god i'm looking at Silas ren i mean i i don't even care about the other commander i just want um just the colors for it. <laughs> yeah right? arden only and arden only costs three so it's Holy really shit. effective efficiently costed to play arden and mm-hmm. you don't need arden out until you've already played things that you want to start moving 
Yeah. Oh my god. I I I want to build a curse deck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you get curse like everybody. imprisoned in the moon and and curse of Look the dryads. Look what you've done, Coil. Look what you've oh, done. Yes. Beautiful. Now, don't you imprison my commander in the moon ever. <laughs> I will. Now, never is... touch my commander and don't ever put it in the moon. <laughs> now the thing is, the thing is with Arden is all of those curses can only go to one target. So you might also want to think about including like. A helm of the host to get more than one Arden so that you can move stuff around oh, to more than one player. Because they'll trigger off each different time. That oh. is correct. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. This is going to be great. The, the only thing I hate about this deck already is um, just the fact that you know, playing it on spell table and having to remember who has what. That's the only downside. Very difficult online. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Like I, I took apart my uh, thief deck because of that because mm -hmm. I used to play it a lot at the LGS, but on spell table I'm like, oh, this is a pain in the ass to remember. Like, I, I've pretty much taken out almost every card that has to deal with stealing stuff from other people, like even taking from their graveyards, mm -hmm. um, only because I'm lazy and I don't feel like well, having to remember. We've been very fortunate that that we we so we created um, as promotional giveaways as part of our um, patron awards. We created some tokens um, with our logo and and our contact information on one side, and the other side That's is actually idea. just a blank card that we had printed. So we use these as as token markers, but we also use infinite tokens, which are really great. But so if you sleeve them either in a plastic sleeve or a hardcover, you can draw anything you want on them. Ah, <laughs> and then um, we're looking to the next time we get them printed, we're going to see if we can get them actually printed on true dry erase uh, material. That'd be um, cool. That'd be cool. Because it's it's really it, we thought we printed them appropriately, but I had them printed and I I must have just flipped the front. I don't of the think backs. it was us, Andy. I think it was them. Because I, I think I ordered it correctly. I, I really think, yeah. do. And what the side that I wanted to be like the ultra gloss, they printed on the wrong side of the card. But mm. they were not that expensive. So once we give these out, we're going to resend out to our patrons. And then the whole plan, to be honest, was we quickly had them designed and ordered because we were going to go to um, Magic Fest Detroit, which was supposed to be in. March, I want to say March, March like yeah. or April of 2020, and we were live recording our show at our um, our producer's house, and um, it was canceled. Obviously, that was right at the beginning of we were learning yeah. about the coronavirus, and so um, <laughs> we had all these tokens, and so we started just mailing them out to people. Mm -hmm. And um, Coil does a lot of sales online, so whenever Coil would sell cards, he would add a couple, and he said people reach out and say. Uh, what is this? And he's like, it's yeah. my podcast. Can you listen? And we are now up to 6,000 listens. And we, I mean, uh, we have not had more engagement um, previously until now. And obviously we've had time to focus because there's nothing else that we really like 6,000 listens we a month or something or um, no, no, no. So right now we're at 6,000 downloads total. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Of, of our show. So we're still, obviously we're still growing. Um, but before that we were at, we were pretty, we were, I mean, we've more than tripled, I think, our listens in the last couple of months. Nice. Yeah, so, nice. and on average now, our, our regular listens um, have, have more than doubled. So it, it's been great. I, I, I hope that everybody likes the content we put out, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So how did you two meet? How long have you known each other? Ooh, I want to tell the story. Okay, you tell <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 
All right. So um, Andy and I have uh, have a mutual friend. Uh, yeah. Andy's best friend in high school. Yeah. Um, went to the same college that I did and uh, was in a fraternity that I ended up joining. And I got close to him. And he ended up being my, if you're familiar with fraternities, you get a, um, a big brother to kind of help you along the process and all that kind of stuff. So he ended experience. <laughs> I was didn't a, have it, it either. It was a good experience. I can honestly say there was like no hazing or anything that happened at my particular fraternity. I could not say that about the other fraternities at my school, but <laughs> that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I ended up being uh, very close to him and then I, I knew Andy. I heard a bunch of stories about Andy through him. Um, you can ask Andy about, you know, cactus blossoms and that kind of stuff from, uh, was it Longhorn Steakhouse or Texas Roadhouse? Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I heard a bunch of stories about Coyle Andy. Coyle knew, knew more existed. about me, and I didn't even know Coyle existed, and he That's knew right. so much about me. That's right. <laughs> um, so it was at... Um, this person's wedding, he was getting married, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the dinner reception that happened afterward, uh, I got sat down to Andy's at the time fiance, uh, mm-hmm. Nick. And, um, when, when I got sat down, I said, Hey, Nick's a Dungeons and Dragons nerd like you talk to him. And, and that's so kind of how I, I got really, introduced. To I him. mean, I, I, I said hi to Mike and mm-hmm. I didn't talk to him much. And it was like, what, six or seven months later, I was at one of our LGSs, just mm-hmm. buying normal cards for a commander deck, and Coyle walks in, and I could I couldn't remember his name. We talked for two <laughs> hours, yeah. I, and I could I couldn't remember his name, but we both had that uh, I, I know you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of yeah, happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes, uh, "You were at so and so's wedding," and I said, "Yes, I was." And so I randomly said, "Well." do you want to play some magic? And then, uh, we started playing standard during, that was during the block. Just, at, just after Amonkhet release. Just after, uh, yeah, just after Amonkhet. And then after that, we started playing commander and uh, we've been friends since. Yeah, it was, it was actually, so I'm a mentor for a robotics team, high school robotics team. Ooh. And one of my students convinced me to learn how to play magic I bought a box of Amon Cat and I bought a couple starter sets and I ended up opening a Force of Will invocation in my box of Amon Cat and I went into the <laughs> store to sell it. And that's that's where I, I saw Andy. And Andy, you were selling a big part of maybe not your like high end collection, but you were selling a bunch of bulk and stuff. Too. I got rid of my bulk. I was getting rid of my bulk because I was moving from my townhouse to my current house. And I was like, I'm not moving like 60,000 cards. I, I mean, I buy a lot. I, 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 mean, I just I know did that a couple weeks ago. Got, got rid much. of like 70,000 cards. Some mm-hmm. might say enough. Um, <laughs> so I got rid of the bulk and um, I was making, I was getting some higher end purchases so I could play commander because I didn't have a ton of staples. Um, but because I started playing during gate crash. So I have been playing since oh, wow. 2013. Um, and it was because we used to play with our, we used to hang out with our friends, just, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could only have so many Catan arguments that you can't <laughs> play Catan anymore. Otherwise you won't have friends anymore mm-hmm. because no one would give me bricks or sheep. Right. Or something. Oh my God. That's, that's one thing with Catan that always frustrates me. You get to a point where no one wants to trade with anyone. You're no. just like, all right, game's over then. So they well, said, play this game with me. 
And I said, I don't know. I, I played Yu-Gi-Oh. I collected Pokemon cards growing up. I'm at that age where I was right there when Pokemon started. Mm-hmm. I was right there when Yu-Gi-Oh started. I was too young to learn how to play Pokemon. Yu-Gi-Oh, I was old enough to understand what to do. And they gave me a mono red deck at a casual tabletop game. And I was like, this game's not fun. I don't like this game because I was playing with shocks and lightning strikes and lightning bolts or whatever. And I was like, how in the world would this ever beat whatever else so-and-so was playing? They were playing something with zombies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and then then I, I learned quickly, I just don't, I just didn't like that style of play. Yeah, right. um, and then I kind of just, we started playing, my husband and I, we would play, we bought uh, the dual decks called Gari versus Is It, and that, mm-hmm. that was the first dual deck we bought, and those are pretty evenly matched. Um, and, and then we built our first commander decks a couple months after that. And uh, when we didn't realize, really know what commander was, and I had never played at an LGS. So yeah. I had strictly been tabletop until um, Born of the Gods. And that was when I started playing in person. Wow. Yeah, with, with like at an LGS playing in person with, at an LGS. I I, th- I find it pretty interesting that your first deck was was mono red and that you hated it because the first deck I played, the first deck I played was uh, the cursed side of blessed versus cursed. So mono black oh, with yeah. like zombies and card draw. Oh. Uh, in love, just from the first <laughs> moment. Yeah, I probably would have been the same way. I probably and now I'm an Azorius person and I'm a monster and it's fine. I accept. I accept who I am. I, I agree with you, Andy. You're a monster. So is Zuby. It's fine. We're yeah, in it exactly. together. <laughs> so I, I didn't realize that both of you were relatively new Magic players. I mean, I, I know Gatecrash came out seven, it feels like just yesterday. And then you, you <laughs> coiled, just you started an Amon Cat. I didn't realize that. I thought you both have been in the game for a while because some of your knowledge of just the cards just it's pretty pretty well done. Yeah, it's called being obsessed. We don't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and, and I admit I had that phase where it's like it's I, I'm at a point now where you know I I'll talk a lot of shit where you know it's like I don't know anything. It's like I know card names and all that stuff, mm. but I, I I guess maybe it's just personally I don't have a lot of time to be able to sit and think and configure decks and try to build and brew like i used to because i'm also um i'm doing so much stuff with rpgs right now too um especially behind the scenes um and maybe you two will appreciate this but um i've been actively working for the past couple weeks on not only am i working on some behind the scenes um rpg podcast episodes and all that um and, and content i'm also Finally, finally, finally convincing my play group to finally play Pathfinder <gasps> Second Edition. Finally, after Wait, like Pathfinder Second Edition? Yes. Have you played it yet? No. Okay. I, I I've read the rule book all back and forth and all that. So it's like I'm pretty familiar with the rules because I've DM'd um, you know, I've I've been DMing D D for the past like three four years now but it, but i've been a dm since i was like 17 18 with mm-hmm. D fuck what edition is that third edition i want to say or second yeah. um second or third and um and also with other various systems as well so even though i have not played pathfinder yet it's i'm the, the rules seem i i can gather what the rules do i mean have have you played 3.5 and an original pathfinder no i have not 
Okay. And, and, and I do know because I've read through the Pathfinder first edition uh, rulebook. And yeah. it was just like, oh, this is essentially 3.5 just updated. It is. It is totally the exact. That is exactly what it is. So um, if you don't have a frame of reference from original Pathfinder actually playing it, I think you're going to have a really good time and not complain about anything in Pathfinder 2. Oh, my gosh. That's all I've seen on the forums, especially when Pathfinder. Because <laughs> I got the second edition book um, when it first came out. Uh, what was mm-hmm. it? Not last year, I guess. 2019, whenever whenever it came out in 2019 dude the amount of vitriol on the forums that people hated second edition because it wasn't exactly like first edition it's like shit you guys are just like D&D nerds you know complaining about new new editions and all that shit it's like just give it a try or don't play it who cares no one's forcing you to go to this new edition you know that's right as when when they brought out D&D 5th edition there was that big outcry too and it's like just keep playing 4th or 3.5 I don't know anything about Pathfinder, but the one thing that I do know is that when I go to one of our local board game shops, so, so it's not an LGS, they don't have any play space, but they have a lot of just, it's board games. They have racks of just Pathfinder books, and it appears that like Pathfinder has way more content releases than D&D. But they're but they're a lot faster, because what, they? what I've noticed is not only are the source books like coming out at a faster rate compared to D&D 5th edition because there's already so Pathfinder it's coming up two years I want to say this summer for 2nd edition and Mm -hmm. there's already an advanced players guide which is sort of an extended to the core rule book there's two other players source books that are due coming out later this year Um, there's already two monster manuals with a third one on the way this year as well too um so in terms of content releases, yeah, there's it's coming out faster than fifth edition, um, and it's for, and I haven't really looked at any of the campaign books yet or anything, but I do know right. that there's a lot of those coming out as well too. Right, and so Andy, I guess for your reference and for listeners who don't know, uh, Pathfinder, we keep uh, referencing three point five Dungeons and Dragons three point There was a group of people that made some changes to it to make their own version of Dungeons and Dragons, and that was called 3.5, and it uh, developed into Pathfinder. And um, so it was all just like kind of just a modification of D&D. I I don't know if new Pathfinder is actually supported with models and everything too, so they might be able to focus 100% of their efforts towards uh, the books, the campaigns, the player guides, and all that kind of stuff. And I know for a fact they don't have the resources that uh, WotC does to do player testing, so they had to do public testing, which is why the advanced player guide came out so quick because there were some changes that they had to make. Yeah, I, I didn't follow a lot of... Like, I don't follow closely with the whole pathfinder community in terms of what people i i I do know the whole big thing that's going on right now just because now that i'm i'm finally getting my group wanting to try it i'm now starting Mm -hmm. to dive back into it um is like the whole the whole guns thing that because there's going to be a source book on like for rules for guns and gunsmiths and all and people are up in arms about i'm like and, and the thing that always gets me with rpgs it's like yeah you may not like a rule set that is coming out you don't have to use it yeah that, that's the it's perfect a, thing about it you don't have to use it it's just like magic magic's uh commander's rule zero yeah you know talk about what you want to do what you don't want to do before you start playing exactly exactly like the, the whole big hubbub with D this past year with tasha's cauldron of everything where they did the um do you know about that 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy, if you're not familiar, so we have that we own the book. My my husband DMs a ton, so I mean, I know I've seen it. Yeah. I didn't know there was any sort of issue with it. <laughs> so, so the big issue with it was, um, so in in D and D for like you know ages past, whenever you choose a race, like you know drow elf, human dwarf mm-hmm. gnome, whatever, whatever it be, there's always going to be benefits to choosing a race and then your class, like. A, a typical dwarf, right, only gets pluses in their stats to usually like strength and constitution, right? For an example. Okay. Um, sure. So if you if you're one of those power gamers and you want to become a wizard, right? A dwarf wizard, that's technically not gonna be the best optimized race to be for a wizard, right? Because okay. you're gonna want to have your boost in intelligence and Dexterity, which I do like in Pathfinder Second Edition, dexterity is nowhere near as good as Fifth Edition. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dexterity <laughs> is fucking broken in Fifth Edition. <laughs> yep, it's it. Not every class should have to worry about dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um. So besides that, so so the whole big hubbub and when Tasha's Cauldron of Everything came out was they came out with a rule set where okay, so when you are picking your race, you know whatever it says for your pluses to your stats, you can now put them in whatever you want. Essentially, I mean, to to boil it down in simple terms without going too deep into it. And same with your skills and um, the stuff that you can be trained in for weapons and armor and all that as well, too. Um, Okay. And a lot of people don't like that because, and, and I get their arguments for not liking it because it essentially makes race a just cosmetic thing where you're not having to make like really have, and and this is more for power gamers where you're not really having to make that conscious choice of, you know, uh, uh, of trying to min max your character essentially. Right. And I get that. I didn't know that was a thing when I first played D and D and we had someone who was like, I can't miss on my shots and I always deal 50 damage. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) I I I shoot a tidal wave and I hope to wash someone away. That's, that's (laughs) how I play D and D. So to be fair, min max was a term that I think I learned at the tail end of 2019, just as our campaign was ending. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if he had something to add to that coil or. No, sorry. I just, I, whenever I DM with a min maxer, I purposefully try to kill them as much as possible. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's my whole thought process for min maxers is as long as the player is not an asshole or anything. Sure. Y- you know, it, it's my, my more important thing with DM is like, I don't care, you know, what you play as, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just know that depending on what you choose, they're, might be consequences like a good example is so the campaign i've been doing for two years the majority of the players are all like you know humans and elves and oh god what do we got like a tiefling and something like that so so pretty pretty vanilla races in terms sure we we had this player i ended up kicking him out of the group he got banned from the local game store too um Mm -hmm. but he decided he wanted to play a goblin barbarian monk and rogue multi-class and i'm all like oh okay and he, he, you know he explained what he wanted to do i'm like okay that's fine as long as it's you know within the rules because I'm, I'm a big stickler with as long as it fits within the rule set i'm okay but i sure. told him um he came on a day where they were actively raiding a castle full of goblins and orcs 
And, ah. and I told him, listen, you may want to rethink your goblin idea because one, you know, this group has faced plenty of goblins and orcs and they're not very friendly to them. And two, you know, they're actively in sort of a castle right now fighting them. Um, he's like, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But then he got ended up getting really pissed off when the players or, you know, role playing as, oh, there's this random goblin coming up trying to help them fight the other goblins and orcs. They don't know what's going on. And so they're like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> just, yeah. just like, like almost trying to kill him because, you know, they don't know. And yeah, if you're okay. if, if you're a fighter and you're cleaving and there's a goblin next to you, you're going to go, OK, yeah, my cleave's going to hit this goblin, too. It's a goblin. <laughs> right. Always be cleaving. That's correct. Yeah. And, and it just uh, those kind of players just frustrate the hell out of me because it's like they, they, they can't they can't uh, uh, discern from, you know, the actual playing and role playing of it and understand, like, right. you know, these characters. We, I ended up kicking that player out because he would he would cheat in D and D. Like, oh. out of all the games to cheat in, like, why? Yeah, why? Like, I, I would see him try to cheat on his rolls. Like, like, oh, I rolled an at twenty. Like, no, you didn't. I saw you move no. the dice. Yeah. <laughs> now, I I will say that I might be um, one of the people that is like this. It's frustrating to play with mm -hmm. if you if you can't separate the role playing from real life because I do play a very deceptive character most of the time. And although player knowledge, everyone knows exactly what I'm doing. It can be frustrating for the other people in the party to have to go. I have to pretend that I don't know what's happening right now. And sometimes that's even the though most you just fun stole too. half my inventory. <laughs> yeah. I find that to be some of the most fun. Cause you know, being a DM, you know, a lot of, a lot of what happens with the monsters like you know there's stat blocks and all that stuff and but it's fun as a player though when it's like oh, oh there's this i don't know a beholder or whatever oh my character's never mm -hmm. heard of a beholder before how hard yeah. could it be you know it's yeah. a big eyeball yeah it's it's not that tough right <laughs> oh i'm dead you know i i find that to be some of the fun I, I find that some fun like you get to play a character that is dumb and all that stuff like um <laughs> I I, <laughs> I I was just in a session where I'm playing an Echo Knight fighter, which, holy shit, Echo Knights are so much fun. Well, I don't mm -hmm. know if you've played them or heard of them or anything. Um, so, Andy, do you know what an Echo Knight is? I don't. No. So, Echo Knight is a fighter class where you can essentially summon, I guess, a copy of yourself. And it's, it's, sort, of, okay. it's sort of like a, a translucent copy of yourself. And you can control that copy to attack for you. It only has one hit point. Um, it doesn't. It has a decent, decent-ish AC, um, but it only it, once it gets hit, it's dead. Like or it just disappears, and, and you okay. and you can't be more than thirty feet away from it. But the fun thing is, like you can just. So I've been this fighter that I built is sort of a sneaky fighter, like high in dex and high in stealth. So he'll like hide behind okay. a pillar, summon the echo to go do all the fighting, do all the dirty work for him, and. Um, I'm here for this. Yes. He, he's <laughs> Sign been, me up. Check. He's been so much fun to play, but he's also dumb as well, too. It's mm. We just had a whole <laughs> session where, you know, there's this important elf queen lady. and um, We had to hide out in an inn and and she knocks on the door and I open the door and and both player knowledge and character knowledge. I didn't know who they were. 
because <laughs> uh-huh. the DM told us like, hey, she's going to be showing up or whatever. But me as a player, I completely forgot. I thought it was some <laughs> random person showing up at the door and I'm all like, who the fuck is this? So I'm role play like, who are you? I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> no solicitor. <laughs> exactly. That's how I was doing it. It was great. <laughs> oh, man. So are you all playing D&D right now at all or anything? No, I'm currently trying to develop a campaign for our play group, but you know, I'm also got this uh, podcast thing going on and my full time job, and I've brewed like two decks in the past week and a half, and um, there hasn't been a ton of progress made on it. I almost have the first session completely written up. To be fair, Coil's also waiting on feedback from some people about the situation that he's laid out. He wants to know what the characters are doing, and people like me have not provided our <laughs> feedback yet. So, so to be honest, it's not just Coil. I am also delaying us from playing. So um, just for some background, we're playing a Ravnica campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best so... plane ever. Love it. <laughs> Um, it's okay. And it's, <laughs> it's okay. The, 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 the source book was great, by the way, that, that wizards yeah. came up. I loved it. it I, yeah. I, I've read that multiple times already. So the, uh, the campaign is going to start with an attack on Rakdos's life. And, um, we're going to see what comes from that, that, but we too. have, we have someone from the Orzhov Guild. We have two people from Rakdos, one person from Izzet, um, one person from Gruul, and then one unaligned character Ooh. that came through the planar portal during War <laughs> of the Spark. And they're from they're a Viashino from Amonkhet that got covered in Lazatep, but is not a zombie. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. The only reason this character is allowed to do all of these things is because they're the only person who has absolutely no background knowledge of Magic the Gathering. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. It's, so it's, like, it's our producer. It's our yeah. producer who doesn't play Magic. Just learned how to play Magic in November and December on Arena. So we could do a Ooh. video that's going to be coming out soon for all of our patrons. Uh, watching him play a couple of games that we reacted to. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds fun. Recording. <laughs> so, so Coil, uh, as a DM, when you're saying you're writing up for a session, what does that what does that mean, or exactly, or uh, what does that look like? Because I I, so, I just love hearing how other DMs prep and all that. So I just I want to um, prepare enough encounters where all of the players are going to where where the session is going to be at least an hour long because. Every DM knows that you could put three hours into one encounter and then the whole party goes, yeah, we're going to go down the street to the inn instead. And yep. then you don't have anything left prepared. I just want to make sure that I have an encounter prepared for like all situations or at least have something in my back pocket where I can, you know, have have them do something. If some if they decide, oh, Rakdos just got shot and everyone goes, yeah, we don't really care. We're just going to go somewhere else like I. I <laughs> I don't know what to do then. <laughs> so, so how, how well are you at uh, improving a lot of this stuff? Um, I improved a session. So I the last thing I DM'd, I did a Full Metal Alchemist. I don't know if you're familiar with the anime. I haven't um, seen it. I, I've been told I need to watch it. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, not Full Metal Alchemist. Watch that, it. Yeah, that's what uh, I heard. <laughs> so I did I did a D&D one shot. It was supposed to be a one shot. Uh, it ended up being like three shots based on Full Metal Alchemist. And I had to at one point, one of the characters burned a bar down 
just in the middle of a town. I'm like, well, I can't just not have the guards come after you. Right. There was a, there was a sewer system in that city that I made up on the spot. And then, Oh, cause me and me and one other person wanted to go to a library. So we traversed that. Yeah. Cause we didn't want to be seen. And Coyle was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) The the library existed in the notes. The sewer system did not. And the the whole campaign went to the sewers. And and yeah. I had to just and we keep never making actually it up finished as we went. It. No. The library so. there was a library that was about to burn down, the bar burned down, and that's the last we saw those characters. That's great. Yep. It's great. I completely <laughs> avoided the boss that I spent time putting together. You you just moved um, the boss to another location. That's all you did. Didn't do. didn't complete the mission. Uh like everything went wrong. That that that's some of the best best things about D&D is when your players take you for complete surprise. That reminds me of a session I had. Uh, the, the party had to meet up with a a group of thieves and Duragar because um, the, the, the thieves and Duragar needed to um, basically align each other to fight a bigger enemy essentially and the party was okay. infiltrating the thieves hideout and they were going to because the, the thieves were essentially the players' enemies and all that stuff. And when they got to the point where the thieves and the Duragar were meeting, um, and I was fully expecting them to just rush in and just start killing them. Nope. The uh-huh. the cleric of the group is like, I'm going to go talk to him. That, that's why I see like, oh, so you're talking. And, and, and we had this like whole like almost hour role play of mm-hmm. just them coming to an agreement that, hey, we need to team up and fight this bigger evil and I'm, I wasn't even mad I'm like this is fucking awesome this is what I yeah. love with D&D because I had no plans for this and and but the thing is they never got to explore the rest of the thieves hideout because I had planned all these treasures for them and all that stuff so they missed out on a bunch of magic items too but you know right oh well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah a, I'm, that's I'm some of my favorite I'm, man. I'm curious to see what the group does too. I I put a lot of work into the three shows that are going to be playing at the Rakdos Guild Hall when all this happens and the different leaders of the shows and stuff if they want to investigate uh, at all, which which was cool because I started writing this campaign um, at the end of the year. Well, no, it was like in fall about I started writing it. It's been a long time. I know I should have got the first session done by now, but... um, it, it one of the one of the characters that I wrote about w- w- was printed on a card in Commander Legends as jury of the review. So he he was already in my campaign and now he's got a card. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's um, yeah. It, it's I don't know. I I just like hearing how other DMs do it because I'm definitely so a lot of the campaigns I do I have a homebrew world. Um, and I'd love to show some people like my freaking Google Drive mess of notes where. I have all this lore and all these maps and pictures that I've made. Um, and this is a world that I've been working on since I was a kid too. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like my idea of prepping for a session is, is okay. Where are they? What do I want them to do? Okay, cool. We'll just do that. I, I, and I might write some stuff down, like mainly like some lore based stuff and that's it. And just like, all right guys, what do you want to do? Okay. You're doing this. All right. right. Boom. And just, yeah go from there like um for an example it's oh what was it 
Oh, oh, oh so I do a D&D campaign. Um, you might see it on my Discord sometimes uh, with like Pixie and Rhino and Baltan mm-hmm. and all them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We There was like a whole, a whole friggin' session where they... Pixie, she's pretty new to D&D still. And one of the things that I love with new players is when you have to show them like, hey, your actions have consequences, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can't just... You can't just do whatever you want, like a video game, and just expect to get away with it. So they were trying to get into this alchemist shop, um, and the the owner was like, no, you can't come in here. You know, I don't want you in here. But they had to get in there for other reasons. Um, okay. So, so Pixie just brushes the little gnome away and just walks right in. And I'm all mm. like, and so so the owner, like, starts screaming for the guards, and all the guards start coming, and... And she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was great. I can't be arrested. I'm above the law. Well, she, she's also a paladin, too. It's like, I'm a paladin. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, she... You know, they're, 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 so it does sort of go with her oath because she's a vengeance paladin. And okay. there, there was a reason that they had to go in there because there was something evil happening in that shop. But the owner didn't want them in there and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the owner was actively trying to get them pushed out, but the owner was trying to be the good person at the right. time and <laughs> make them look like the bad guys. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, I hate paladins for the record. Hate them. What? Why? Uh, I am. I strictly play chaotic neutral characters. Oh, you're the worst. No lawful is the worst. Anything nah, chaotic neutral it's it th- that's basically just chaotic evil with um you know it's what my character would do it's what my character would do <laughs> it's BS. called role playing zuby <laughs> <laughs> though, though i will say oh that vengeance paladins can get away with a lot more compared to other oaths because yeah. They could just be like, oh, well, that was my enemy. I had to kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, oh, my God. They came across a town that was um, taken over by a bunch of mind flayers. Like the mind flayers like, oh, wow. like possessed a lot of the people in town. And so it was sort of like a, what invasion of the body snatchers type thing. They didn't know who was possessed and who wasn't because the possessed people, I made them act like they were completely normal and all that stuff. Right. But there was, you'd have to really, really interrogate them to figure out if they were taken over or not. And so, mm. and, and, and who was it that was starting to kill, you know, quote unquote, innocent people. It was the paladin. Of course. <laughs> Don't um, trust paladins. Don't trust the rogue. Never trust the rogue. You can Don't trust, trust the rogue. The rogue, <laughs> rogue keeps secrets from me. No, it's you, hard can't. For you can my never real life trust the rogue. Just, I struggle with that character and I just don't enjoy it. <laughs> Listen, as long as you're a rogue that takes one level in some sort of spell casting, you can cast invisibility and be fully transparent for your party. It's all about transparency, guys. Yeah. All uh, about apparently, transparency. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> or just get a ring of invisibility. Perfect. There I'll take go. it right sure. from your finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. So the current rogue that we have in the part in our campaign, I think one of the first sessions, um, he managed to get some, I can't remember how I got to look at my notes. He managed to get some poison arrows somehow. Mm. And I can't remember how he did, but, um, 
and he went to go to a shopkeep and um to try to figure out what kind of poison it was like it, it was a shopkeep that was known to dealing with um you know poisons and all that stuff and and who was also a thief as well too so and um I'm pretty sure I role played this badly but um he I he was he handed the arrows to the shopkeep and he was all like, well, could you try to figure out what kind of poison this is and all that? And, you know, the shopkeep's like, oh, I'm not sure what kind of poison it is and all that. Um, you know, she sniffs it and, you know, like lightly tastes it. And I, I, I told him the whole time, like, you know, in my head, I knew like, OK, this is going to be like instant death poison. And so as soon as she <laughs> tastes it, she dies. And there's other people in the shop. And um, they start accusing the rogue of, you know, oh, you killed her, you killed her, and all that. And what does he do? Instead of just try to save himself, he kills the other two people. <laughs> now that he knows now, he has instant death poison. Now if Coyle's rogue, though, he would have missed both times he swung and would have died. That's that's true, which is why I always go for persuasion instead. <laughs> oh, that's I'll say, The shopkeep was a doppelganger. <laughs> this is actually my shop. Yeah. Roll a D twenty. See, see, I would have enjoyed that, but no. Instead, the rogue just decided to kill both people. Sure. Yeah. Just like, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> he he did end up getting away with it because he very high in stealth and was able to run away. Mm-hmm. But it was great. Um, wow. So that was a lot of D and D talk. I mean, I could keep going. <laughs> I keep going. Um, but I guess we'll talk some magic. I guess. I mean. I guess. I guess. I guess. So, what are you, what are your guys' thoughts about Kaldheim so far? Um, I, I I'll be honest. Like the when I did Magic for Normies with Pixie last week, and we were talking about Kaldheim previews. I know since then there's been like five million more that have come out. I've not. I've barely seen anything, only because I've been so busy with work and a lot of behind the scenes stuff too. So I really like a lot of the cards in this set. I think I like a lot more of Kaldheim than I did of some previous sets. Um, I'm just a really, I'm a really big fan of gods and modal uh, double face cards. Um, and so I love the enchantments, the, or the sagas, I mean. Yeah, I'm here. I love sagas. I really like the number of legendary creatures we're seeing. I mean, we're seeing a lot. I, you know, we haven't been able to determine if it's too many or too little or where we're at yet. But I'm a fan of these cards. They seem really fun. Um, lots of cards that fit into decks that I'm going to be playing, um, which is, imp- I mean, which is really the most important part to me. Right. Is am I am I going to be able to play these in decks that I already have established since Commanders I primary format and what our podcast is about? We have a format where our decks aren't constantly rotating out of any sort of legality so we can just constantly add to them mm-hmm. um so i always like when i get a set that adds a lot i i was a huge fan of zendikar rising because i got a lot out of that into all of my decks and oh I, yeah i from what i've seen so far i'm probably going to be adding quite a few cards to the decks that i have um i'm not sure if that's just because of the decks that i build or if this this is a pretty good set for commander but i'm happy with it so far what about yeah, you think this I think this set is like, well, we, we know from discussions with some of the members of Wizards of the Coast, they are trying to uh, fit into the standard sets, a lot of stuff for Commander, and, and I totally agree. This is um, this is a big, a big love letter to Commander uh, hidden behind these double-faced uh, cards, a five-color enchantment Commander. 
a commander that is an oh, enchantment. Oh, that's right. It's it's that that green one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, even on top of that, you have um, a a creature that flips a, a creature slash planeswalker commander now um, that you can have. Oh, the, have, the Tybalt. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you Tybalt's you have, actually decent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, you have a mono red commander that that basically, um, you know, has the excess damage thing. There's just so many really cool mechanics on all of these legendary creatures to build brand new decks on top of a lot of cards, like Andy said, that are going to be going into the the 99 or the 98. We got partners um, into these uh, these decks that already exist. Um, it's cool to see, in my opinion, it's cool to see re returning characters, uh, not just planeswalkers, but maybe, you know, praetors too. Returning praetors are pretty cool. And I'm foreign excited. Clicks, I mean, it's foreign clicks though. But think, of, but think about it. That means, that means the next set, Strixhaven, maybe, you know, Jingataxius. Maybe we can get Please rid of no. all of them and never have to go back to Mirrodin. Maybe Mirrodin is going to be crashing into another plane. No, don't Ooh. do that. No, don't do that. Maybe it'll be Creating crashing into Innistrad. I, I've already got that theory Ooh. that it, it's the Phyrexians are somehow taking over Innistrad and Emrakul uh. has to be released from her prison to save the plane. So the, I, the, a baddie from a previous set is going to kill the baddie currently and Emrakul yeah. is really still the big baddie? Well, ah. no, Emrakul was our savior the entire time. <laughs> I, I just want to see the standard set where you're releasing five Praetors and an Eldrazi in the same set. If if Vorinclex is still alive, which doesn't seem like it, but the story hasn't been released yet. Okay, I have not read any of the story or anything. There's, um, there's one card that got released. Uh, it is a story spotlight card called Kaya's Onslaught. And it features Kaya above Vorinclex's head with her knives above her head. Mm -hmm. And the quote at the bottom says, your trail ends here. So yeah, but how the you hell, assume. Because I, I thought the Praetors were like, you know, the best of the best of the Phyrexians, like stronger than Eldrazi and all that stuff. Like how in the hell would Kaya? Ooh, even... I don't think they're stronger than Eldrazi. Well, they're all, they're supposed to be super strong and smart, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, like, how the hell would Kai even be able to kill Vorinclex, or or what happened to? Well, well, bigger question: How the hell did Vorinclex even get here? So that I think is the cool part. The lore behind Kaldheim, I think, is, and, and we talked about it on our last uh, podcast episode. But the lore behind Kaldheim, I think, uh, or I guess the mechanics behind the lore in Kaldheim, I think, are setting up the Magic Universe to so a really cool storyline with the the World Tree housing. 10 realms which are basically mini planes mm, that that's true. you can yeah. go back and forth even if you're not a planeswalker you can go back and forth between these realms so maybe you know we already saw um tezzeret steal the planar bridge from kaladesh so that that's true um, yeah. non-planeswalkers could planeswalk so maybe this is going to be another way non-planeswalkers can planeswalk Ooh. okay interesting and i'm in for it i'm there for it and if you've if you've you know read up on all of your Ravnica books and War of the Spark books, you know that my favorite bad guy seems to be the new ultimate bad guy from Ravnica. Who's who's that? Lazav. Oh 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 yeah yeah yeah. I thought it was someone else. Um. 
I didn't I mean, see again. that coming, I'll be honest. But no. a lot of people are arguing that those books are not canon. So uh, I, it, what does Wizards sure. say? <laughs> okay, I still haven't read the second War of the Spark book, Forsaken, and I've told I've been told probably not even worth it. To be honest, Coyle and I enjoyed it. It's a fun story. I mean, was it written expertly? Probably not. But is it? Some, I listened to it, so I had the audiobook, and Same. I would go on jogs, and um, it was it it moves along quickly. Um, I don't think it's a terrible book. I think um, some of the stories online that we were getting previously, like the Ixalan block stories, um, were probably of the caliber that folks would have enjoyed. Um, but I don't think it was complete trash, um, which is what was going around online. Um, I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. I, I looked at it the same way I look at star Wars and, and, you know, people are going to get at me for this. (laughs) I think, I think that any star Wars content is good because I just want more. Except we can skip episodes one and what? Three. It's very what? important. Very important. All right. All right. Hey, hey, that's pod racing. You're talking about getting rid of. Did, did you ever see episode one in theaters? Yeah. That no. pod racing scene in the theaters was fucking amazing. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it was. It was amazing. And then that you're that, gonna get awful comments from the face the faces that I'm making right now in this video, and I apologize. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> We're gonna get awful comments on our show now mm-hmm. because of the face I'm making. No, I did not enjoy episodes one and two. I mean, that's no, fine. Um, that's to be fine. honest, I didn't watch my first Star Wars movie until I was like 25. My dad apologized. He goes, uh, "I saw Star Wars Episode Four like literally seven or eight times in the movie theater." He goes, "No idea why I never made you watch it." Or by made or why I never introduced you to it. So I knew nothing. And it took me until probably three years ago to understand the reference. These are not the insert something you are looking for. I was like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me so long. I was like, oh, I understand this joke now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. I, it's, I, I'm with you on some other stuff like that too. Um, <laughs> but Oh shoot, going back with magic, but the story is um so I used to follow the story a lot, especially when it was online. Um uh-huh. besides the Ixalan block, and it's probably gonna get me some hate too. That when when they used to do I don't know if they do it now, but when they had the in, internal team that would write the stories, some mm. of the writers were good. Other writers Sorry, we're trash. <laughs> they just mm-hmm. their, their writing style and prose was so bad where it would it just be so jarring because I would usually wait for all the chapters to come out and then read it all at once. Like, you know, just take an evening because you know, it doesn't take long to read it all. Um, yeah. And it'd be so jarring. You'd go from one chapter. OK, this is really well written, really good. Next chapter, like, what the fuck? Like, who <laughs> wrote this? <laughs> yeah. Just garbage. Um, that, yeah, that was I, my biggest I, complaint with story. I know they transitioned with a lot of the artwork telling the story for a while there. And I really liked the way the story was was released with War of the Spark. I thought that was great. From a marketing perspective, that's my background. And the cards were released in a specific order. And you saw them on a specific day. You were like, oh, they just cut, they told us the story of how this kind of happened. That was wonderful. Um, but... Uh, you know, I read the books for Return to Ravnica, Gate Crash, and 
um, Dragon's Maze, and they were just, it felt very supplemental. Just, we got it, and that was kind of cool. Those were online, download only, and mm-hmm. it was nice to have, but it wasn't anything, um, I mean, it wasn't anything elaborate. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think they're moving back towards that because they've learned folks really want to read them. Um, I read probably half of the Zendikar Rising story. I haven't finished it yet. I mean, obviously we know the story, but I didn't finish the actual story. I actually uh, don't I know the story. I've completely yeah, ignored it. Either. it I, I, you complete- I, I've been com- kind of com- like ever since the War of the Spark, I've kind of completely ignored the story. Of yeah. like everything past that because and, and and this is where some of my problems lie with just the storyline. Um now that Wizards has gone to just one set per plane, I feel like not only as the the card pool, we don't we don't get to see enough of a single plane now because it's just one and done type thing. Um, you know, because back in the day, you know, you look at Ravnica, Theros, and Khans and all that and, and mirrored and Innistrad, you know three sets, you know, big, small, small, or big, small, big, you know, whatever the size would be for the sets. Um, we'd, we'd be able to at least get to see a lot more of the mechanics drawn out throughout the plane and a lot more of the story get to be drawn out as well too, that was happening. Now it's just one and done where when they were trying to release novel, I mean, they weren't releasing novels at a fast pace at the time when they were trying to go to the novel route because we didn't get anything for Theros, nothing. And that was the plane I was so excited about to like actually read a story. No, instead we got like two paragraphs of this mm-hmm. is what happened. I'm all like, this is bullshit right here. And then Ikoria got some ebook or something like I didn't even bother with that. And I haven't read anything with Zendikar. So for anyone out there who may know better, you know, are these weekly stories better than what we were getting or like are are they better or comparable to the novels and i feel like you as a marketing person andy did wizards flub the idea of releasing novels more for like each plane like because i because you know all these are planned ahead of time and all that stuff so they'd be able to source Mm -hmm. out authors of you know hey this is how we want the story to be from a marketing perspective, I think it's probably smarter, honestly, to do what they did, which is either release them through the cards or release online stories, I'll be honest. But I think a lot of people who are enfranchised and are really involved and really are into that would much rather have a book. And honestly, I like holding a tangible so do I. object and I would rather physically read it. I, I mean, I wouldn't even take a class in college if I had to have an ebook. And I had my last class ever because it was 2020 in Corona, the, the, everything happening. I had to have an ebook because the books weren't even printed because they ran out of printer paper. Oh God! They, the printer didn't. They 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 were like, we literally can't print these books. It was awful. So personally, I think the the people that you heard the most from are the folks that wanted an actual book. In the grand scheme of things, I think they've learned that you need to have an even like a, a middle ground. Well, and so they did release, you know, they had some books that got released that were like in parallel with the story, but um, they had the the Davriel Kane uh, book, uh, the Brandon uh, Sanderson one. Yeah. I can't remember that, the name of it. Uh, something about a child. That's about all I know. <laughs> 
Um, but that book was really, really good. And I, I like that a lot. And, you know, it doesn't affect the main magic storyline. We saw Davriel on Ravnica during War of the Spark, but that was like the only tie in to the main storyline. So maybe if they just, you know, released stories that didn't affect the main storyline, but still gave you some background into, well, in that case, it was on um, the plane of Innistrad. And I started playing with Amon Cat. I was already past Innistrad. So I got to learn a lot about Innistrad when I read that book. Uh, I thought that was interesting. But, I do challenge people who um, don't like the short story telling and stuff and want to go to a novel, um, read the novels for the Brothers War and then get back to me on whether you want to uh, read the, the short stories or not, because those are those are hard to read books. And when you mean hard to read books, what do you mean exactly? Um, are you an avid reader of like um, J.R. Tolkien? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've read like a lot of fantasy stuff. Have you read the Silmarillion? Mm-hmm. So it is the Silmarillion of magic lore. Just like, oh, really? It's tough. It's real tough. Is it- no, I thought the Brothers War story was fantastic, though. The story's good. The book, like the actual what happened, mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. The book's rough. Mm, interesting. interesting. I've, I've never interesting read him before. To hear that I've never heard that. I've never oh. heard that until just now. <laughs> because I basically consider the Silmarillion written almost like the Bible in a sense, and, and it's yeah, very it's similar to that. Um, uh huh. So, and are you saying that it's very similarly written, like the Silmarillion? No, it's it's similarly difficult to get through. I I okay. personally I love I love the Lord of the Rings. I love the Hobbit. Um, read them all four books like probably three or four times uh i've seen all the movies a only bunch three of times, or four times into it. what the fuck man i had to do it i had a i had a class on it in college actually and for our final report we were limited we were limited to three pages my report was 10 pages and my professor told me i don't have time to read this you need to reduce it down to three pages um, so I'm a very, very avid fan and I could not read like more than five pages of the Silmarillion without falling asleep. There is, there was no action. There was no story. It was just regurgitating <laughs> it's, it's information lore. at it's you. It's lore. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Ugh. It's the, it, they the funny done thing it is story. I couldn't even get through the Lord of the Rings movies because all they do is walk around. That is not true. I saw that the first movie and then I fell asleep during the second and said, I will not be watching the third. Well, you know, it's not like the second movie. I, I feel like out of the three, the second movie is the worst one. Um, and the literally third. the opposite. Really? I think I think The Two Towers is the best movie of all time. I couldn't even watch it, so I don't know where I fall on that scale. It was painful. <laughs> I mean, I, I so so my argument for it is so I'm pre- like a Tolkien purist, right? Sure. Um, like Fellowship of the Ring is the best one out of the three because it is the closest. It could be to the books. Okay. I'm, I'm about to get in a big argument with you right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, okay. So <laughs> l- l- let's have it out. Let's have it out. Okay. Um, arguably, and this is a big, a big arguably, the most important character in the Fellowship of the Ring, the most powerful character in the Fellowship of the Ring book, not in the movie. His name is Tom Bombadil, and he doesn't exist in the movie at all. So I would agree with you there, and my interpretation and understanding of the fact was and i agree with this is that in terms of a movie it would slow down the movie's pace to a stop 
where when after they leave uh brandy buck that literally nothing happens they get you know old man willow gets them and then tom bombadil comes and then they go through the barrow downs essentially um and when you think about that whole section from the old forest up till Bree, it's not important to the bigger storyline, except for when, you know, they the hobbits get their swords from the Barrow Downs because that's the sword that Mary has to use in order to take out the protective shielding from the Witch King, which they never right. ever explained that either. No, they you know? did not. Because if it wasn't for Mary and Eowyn, you know, they mm-hmm. never would have killed the Witch King. It had Mary not had that sword from the Barrow Downs. But in the grand scheme of things, as far as a movie goes, it's not important to making the story go forward. Okay. So there is a different 20-minute scene of the Fellowship trying to climb over the mountain when ultimately having to turn back and going through... Um, the Mines of Moria mm-hmm. that I would also argue is completely unnecessary for a movie. Well, it's, I can, the one thing I'd say about that, I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> no, it's fine. Coyle's making my point. There were lots of unnecessary walking and now apparently climbing as well that I did not see that we could have shortened these down to 25, 30 minutes each and I could have been good, right? So I, yeah. I know they wanted to establish that Saruman was the one causing that storm on the mountain, why they couldn't just easily pass the mountains. I don't like, because in the books, it was more of Karadras, or however, I'm so bad at pronouncing the names. Um, It was basically like the mountain spirit of Karadras was stopping them, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. So I understand why they wanted to do that. Um, and And even in the books, it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, I mean, it was a big deal. They had to go to Moria, but... The um, I I also didn't like how Gimli was like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. My family's still there. Yeah, it, it's it's just we haven't happened to hear from them in like fifty, sixty years, you know. Yeah, you know, but they they're still alive. Yeah, sure, no problem. They'll wel- they'll welcome us with open arms. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, I so, only have one other thing to say about yes. the Lord of the Rings. They have the name Sauron and Saruman. Are they the same person? Sauron. And Saruman. Not the same person. Not even on the same level, technically. One well, is that they're, they're both Maya. Out light, right? No. One's the wizards the are the Astari. No, 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 but they're both Maya, though. But but both Sauron and Saruman are both Maya. They, I they, think they, so. They, they came from Valinor, yeah. They, they, I... They, they, they I, are. That, yeah, the, the, the Astari are Maya... That they're These like that they're like that they're like the demi gods or angels or whatever of the Vala. I don't. I want to argue with you, but I don't <laughs> have my notes in front of me right now. They are because because Morgoth was was a came from Valinor. He was a Valar. He was yes. the one who corrupted the song from Eru, and yes, he ended up corrupting Sauron, who was a Maya, as well. And and Saruman, Gandalf, uh, the two blue wizards—I forget their names right now. Like Palando. They don't have names. No, they do have names. They do not have names. They do have <laughs> names. They're they're in the unfinished tales. Palando and Alatar, I think it is, um, and then Radagast—they're all Maya as well. It's I I want to say 
I'm with, putting an essay together to argue with you. <laughs> Can you tell us your thesis real quick? What is your thesis statement? So, the thesis is that the Astari are not Maya. They In this paper, are, though. I will they present a case get, to argue against Zuby. <laughs> get Gandalf was a Maya. Or Maya, or however you say the name. <laughs> is Coyle looking it up right now? Of Coyle course I'm thinking. looking Coyle it up right now. Coyle is Googling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so so Coyle, what's the next argument with Fellowship of the Ring? Because I've got I've got some big arguments with two towers like not being like faithful, and it's like the two biggest to me, the two biggest sins of the movie. Um I mean, honestly, that was pretty much it is Tom Bombadil is like pretty much my only argument against Fellowship of the Rings. I still think it's an absolutely fantastic movie. Oh yeah. Um yeah, the two t- the two towers I think had the uh, best fight scene, the best battle scene that's ever been seen in a movie. Oh, Hell Deep was amazing. Yeah, best and battle scene in any movie in all of existence. That is correct. I, I feel like Hel- Helm's Deep was better than the Siege of Minas Tirith, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. L- l- like the Rohirrim, like the whole charge of the Rohirrim, like you know you can't fucking beat that though in Return of the King. But as far as like the battle as a whole, mm-hmm. Helm's Deep was. Yep, um, totally agree. So, now the Ents were supposed to be there for Helm's Deep, and that didn't make it into the movie. But in the, the Ents ex- were still there the, in the extended edition. They were well, the Huorns were there, not the Ents, mm-hmm. right? So, so they they showed them in the extended edition. And you know, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to, we could argue extended edition versus normal edition. What made it in the cut? What didn't make it in the cut? The, there, there's only extended edition. Theatrical editions I, do not exist. I, at I, all. I, I wish I could say that, but most of the time when I'm arguing with people about Lord of the Rings, it's people who have not seen the extended edition. And I can't, I'm not, I'm not, because the, I, I don't have that level of petty to go like, I don't, I'm not talking to you. You haven't seen the extended edition. I, I'm sorry. I can't talk to you if you haven't seen the extended edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cause it's like, those aren't the movies. The, the or I mean, those are the movies. The theatrical versions they don't exist anymore. They they, I I don't believe they're real. <laughs> they're they're not the real Lord of the Rings movies. Um, so so my two biggest sins that I feel like Peter Jackson committed in Two Towers were Aragorn basically dying, which mm-hmm. I thought was completely fucking useless and dumb, and it was only shoehorned in because they had to do something with Arwen. Um, yep. and then what they did to Faramir was such a tragedy in that movie and, and having Faramir take Frodo and Sam to Askiliath where it's like, no, that should have never, ever happened. Right. They, they should have shown since, you know, they wanted to, and I understand why, because they wanted to show, okay, the ring can corrupt anybody. Right. right. But, and also except for Tom Bombadil and Faramir. Fair me because he said I would not pick this up should it lay on the side of the road when he met if, when he met Frodo he and did, Sam. If he did pick it up though, it would have corrupted him. Well, yeah, I mean we can argue that, but um, yeah. but he knew what the hobbits had, and he was like, "No, I'm going to let you go." He, he yeah. knew, and it's like that should have shown the complete difference between Boromir and Faramir there. But no, they're like, "Oh no, we got to make Faramir a, a daddy's boy who needs daddy's love." And, you know, mm. daddy's approval. And I'm just like, oh, it's so dumb. And he should, they should never been to a Skilliath because that makes zero sense at all. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And th- those are my big reasons why I hate two towers. Like I, I was visibly pissed. Like I remember seeing them. I mean, that that's not even to count like what I consider the biggest sin of Return of the King is when Frodo tells Sam to go home. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, I remember being <laughs> so pissed in the movies. Like what? No, they're both supposed to go in Shelob's lair and Sam's supposed to fight off Gollum while Frodo's getting fucked by Shelob and all that. Like what the fuck? You you guys read the books, I assume, before the movies came out. Oh, I I, yeah. I read the books. Um, I read the books like way before the movies came out. Um, when I was a kid, uh, did I understand it all? No, but I understood the gist of what happened. I un- it took me a long time to understand people's reactions to uh, a movie after they've read the book because I was not an avid reader growing up, and yeah. the first movie that I had seen where I had actually read the book beforehand was The Hunger Games, and there mm-hmm. were so many things that were different based on the book. Oh, yeah. So when I hear people get really, really heated now, I was like, they're probably right. They're probably <laughs> completely right. Everything <laughs> that was written in that book is no longer in this movie. I believe them. There, I believe you. There's only one book I have ever read that I thought the movie did way better, and that was The Godfather. I felt like mm-hmm. The Godfather movie was way better than the book. Um only because have either of you seen The Godfather? I actually haven't. I have never seen. <gasps> the yeah. Wow. Um. Well, I'm bad with movies. Okay, there's so many movies you're I talking about. Seen, classics. I was like, Andy, have you seen this? One of the greatest oh. movies ever made. I, I'm. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm think. I think if we want to talk about a movie that we've all seen, Pokemon the movie, two thousand. If you didn't cry. I've never I seen it. Too. I've never seen it. You Zoom, never. If you watch it now, you will sob. You need. You I'm need sure. to just look up. Just look up the scene of Mew talking to Mewtwo and Meowth having to translate everything. It's <laughs> it's really great to watch with absolutely no context what's going on in the rest of the movie at all. I saw that in theaters. Oh, I wow. got the promo cards handed to me <laughs> from, the, from the person standing at the, the concession stand. Yeah. I like, think by whoever. the time that movie came out, I was already done with Pokemon because I, I played it when the game first came out on Game Boy on um, the very yeah. first one. And I, and I know I collected Pokemon cards, but like a year or two after, I just stopped. Like I never played Gold and Silver when it came out. Um, well, it's the, I, best, the best gen of them all. I, I, I have only ever played Red and Blue. And then I have gone back in recent years and I played like a Omega Ruby and all that on the 3DS. Those are also fantastic. Um, and I had no idea what any of the Pokemon were. I really enjoyed the game because I just mm-hmm. needed that Pokemon itch. Um, but other than that, I, I'm just not really that into it. Oh, when Fire Red and Leaf Green came out for the Game Boy Advance and they had wireless connectors for the Game Boys that came <laughs> with that game. Whoa, that was a game changer. You had to like oh, hook damn. that thing into it too. It wasn't just, that was cool. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh shit. Now you had to be literally like six inches from the other person, the same length. I, I kind of remember that. Be, I kind of remember that. Yeah. You did. Oh, Those are the days. Are, are, do Those you guys still days. play Pokemon or anything? Like the games? I mean? I do. I played Shield and Sword. Was that um, any good? It was. Um, I would I would say it's fun, but they they turned on. I mean. People call folks like me Gen Oneers. Apparently, it's the boomers of Pokemon. The folks so that so I guess I'd be a want... boomer too. 
Yeah, the people that don't want easy mode turned on. You have, unfortunately, in that game, experience share is turned on, so it doesn't matter who you fight with. Your entire party gains experience, so the game is extremely easy to beat because your party is all at level, like, 60 or 70 by the time you're at the end just because you played the game. Um, that was my That was literally my only complaint. I would like to not have that. Um, I don't know why... We have gotten to the point where we think that we need to have that turned on at all times, um, but that's where we are. Yeah, yeah. Some but, some of the big complaints I've fine. some of the big complaints I've heard about, um, just with people who've played a lot of the games, is that literally every single Pokemon game for the past few years is just the same game over and over again. Just like a different region slapped on. Like you're still gonna go collect the badges, go fight the Elite Four, and collect the new Pokemon and that's it like they haven't tried anything new with it or, or different I don't know how true that is though yeah I mean I've played them I mean Sun and Moon I actually thought was a lot of fun um, I uh, I liked playing those um, but this year's the 25th anniversary um, so I'm curious to see what happens the next remakes that are supposed to happen are Diamond and Pearl if they are continuing in the line Diamond and Pearl was very fun I am not sure if that's what's going to happen. I think a lot of the speculation is that they're going to do like a, like they just recently did on the Switch where we got uh, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, yeah. and Super Mario Galaxy. They think they're going to release perhaps graphically updated versions as a bundle of like red, blue, gold, silver, um, ruby, and crystal to the Switch, which, I mean, of course I would buy that. I don't know how I can't honestly count the number of times I played those games and the hours that I have put into them oh, and damn. beating them. I mean, I have played, see, I've played every single one of them. So, oh, but I, I hope to see something new and uh big Pokemon. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking of the 25th anniversary, uh, did you hear that Katy Perry is going to be supporting the 25th anniversary of Pokemon this the year? Fuck. Yeah. Is this a joke or is this? No, joke? this is real. What, what is oh, she gonna do? Real? Like sing a song or something? I don't. Maybe she's gonna sing the Pokemon intro. Where, where did be, you hear this? Uh, from my friend Zach, who I've been. Oh yeah, he's working on a Pokemon channel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. I, my my capacity of Pokemon lately has been buying and selling uh, Pokemon cards because they are very very hot right now. And there's a, there's a good opportunity um, to as a collector. Uh, it, they're not so it's it's kind of, it's really weird actually to compare the two markets, the Pokemon market and the Magic market. Like there is a Magic market for collectors, <laughs> but it's all the vintage stuff. Um, there's a collector's market for Pokemon for the brand new stuff too, uh, because they just have these super awesome shiny Charizards and Pikachu's because everyone loves Charizard and Pikachu, so those are all, always become collectors. And it's not yeah, and, where, and where a lot of the we, the foiling of those are awesome too. Yeah, Pokemon cards, beautiful. And way better than what we get in magic. Like what the fuck? (laughs) But when it, when it comes to our market, uh, a lot of the price of the card is depending upon how good the card is. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely not that way in the Pokemon market. So it is really interesting to, to compare the two markets. So Katy Perry, it says that Katy Perry will be working with the company on a year long music campaign to celebrate 25 years of Pokemon. Heck yeah. So I don't know. I'm here for it. I don't know if either of you two are fans of Zelda, but this is also the 35th anniversary of Zelda this year, too. I played my first Zelda game 
with uh, what the, the one that came out on the Switch that was a Breath, remake. Oh, Link's Awakening, the best oh, yeah. Zelda the first, game out of all. That was of the first them. Zelda game I ever Agreed. played, and I actually finished the game. So good, finished it's so it. much fun. I love that. I, it was fun. I, I played that game so many times. I must have wore out I don't know how many Game Boy batteries out of that <laughs> game. Um, and then I I've I've only played the remake once. Um, because I beat it in like to four hours because <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it's a one-to-one remake pretty much i mean they've added stuff to it but okay um, isn't that the only zelda game where the final boss is not ganon no it was some big whale thing. no because was it minish cap it's is it's body it, oh. it, it was the first zelda game not well actually no zelda 2 didn't ganon wasn't the last boss it was um it was like a thunderbird or or your shadow or something like that Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a fair. I, I had that for the Game Boy. I still have it for the Game Boy, yeah. actually. And yeah, that was the first one that I played. And, Love it. Yeah, so good. Still have it. Still play it. I've got my. Li- <laughs> I'm sure you've seen me post that. I've got my little Zelda shrine and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Like, like you're obsessed with Pokemon. I'm obsessed with Zelda. Like, I forget. Zelda and Final Fantasy are like my two big things that I love. Mm-hmm. Never played a Final Fantasy game either. I mean, you you could really pick up any Final Fantasy, and I was told that you don't have to play them all. Like yeah, they're no. all independent stories, so you're it's just good to go. I'm gonna let that you borrow. The best is what I've been told. Yeah, that's definitely arguable. It's definitely fanboy-y for seven, but I'm gonna let you borrow <laughs> my my DVD copy of Advent Children, Andy, so you can watch it. And as long as you ignore every time Tifa says. Uh, dilly dally silly sally it's gonna be a good movie for but but he'll have like no context of what anything is or what's going on is this a final fantasy movie yeah yes oh but he'll have no idea what's going on though it's fine he know uh, he's a smash player so he knows who cloud Ooh. and sephiroth are and that's all you gotta know i do play sure a lot of sure smash. the geneva project is literally the most confusing thing i've ever know, right? tried to get context for ever but <laughs> oh, so you, what's your favorite Final Fantasy coil? Um, it's okay. So this is a little a little off the wall, and you might call me a cheater for saying this, but it's uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. No, that's specifically. That, that's, fi- it's a really good spe- one. Specifically, advanced for for the Game Boy Advance, not uh, Lion's Roar, which was for PlayStation One. I, I think. I, I can't remember if I played Final Fantasy Tactics Advance or not because I've only played the one on PlayStation. Okay. Yeah, so I I was always into turn-based strategy games mm-hmm. and that one I could I could give a gun to a Chocobo. So, or not a cho- a gun to a uh, a Moogle. So, what, what what how could you go wrong? Right. <laughs> right. That 6 is my favorite. It's like I've okay. played that one so many. It's actually my all-time favorite video game ever. I've played through it so many times. Wow, all-time favorite ever. Yeah, I feel. I'm gonna argue Super Mario Odyssey was like right up there, and I've 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 heard that Super Mario Odyssey two is in the works, and uh, I'll I be interested ready. to see that. Yeah. Oh, I loved Odyssey. Like I, I that's a game. For- like the first time I played through it, I collected like every single moon and whatever. Mm-hmm. And and now I, I mean I've deleted that save um because I've gone back and tried to speed run through it and all that. And um It's a long game. Not no, not really. It's like you can get I mean, 
I mean, obviously, like professional speedrunners. If, if you're not collecting, you're just doing the main story. Then yeah. it's a very short main story. Yeah, I mean, for speedrunners, yeah, they're way better. But I've been able to get it down in like less than three hours. Been able to beat it. Wow. So I'm not as good game. as some of these speedrunners, though. They're freaking ridiculous. <laughs> it took yeah. me a year and a half though, because I had to. I I mean, at one point, I was just so frustrated with the one level where you have to land like eight long jumps perfect in a row. I I just had to put my controller down. I came back six months later, and I spent I think three nights, and I finally got it, and I was like, I've got this, I've got this, nice. and then I finally finished nice. it. Bought every costume. I collected everything. And that was my favorite uh, part of Odyssey. So I have a problem being a completionist. So some of these games, like Animal Crossing, give me anxiety because I don't know if you ever actually finish that no, game, you don't. and that's a problem for me. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm still playing it. I picked it back up at Christmas, like everyone else did, uh, mm-hmm. just around New Year, um, and I'm still playing every day, but. I'm stressed out when I see other people's islands and it's like they played for 1100 hours and it's like you've played for 100. It's like oh I know I God. think I've only got like 150 cool. hours in and it's like I'm at a point now where <laughs> besides the special events I don't know what else to do besides finish the the bug and fish collection and, and the sea collection. I'm like besides that I, I I've already built the island to the way I like it. Yeah, there could mm-hmm. be some improvements I need to make here and there like small ones, but other sure. than that, for the most part, my island's done. I yeah. I learned of an entire Pinterest world of Animal Crossing in the last two oh, weeks. Oh, how you can get like the code, like like how they share Just, codes and all that? Or? They share codes, but they're like, if you would like to make a seaside cafe, here's how I did it. And I was like, oh my God, that looks great. And I don't have time. I also I... don't know what recipes you have. And then I got a recipe from someone and it was like, you need these 14 things to make this one thing. Oh, but you don't have the 14 recipes you need to make to make. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't <laughs> know what any of this stuff is. I'm glad I didn't <laughs> find out about those when I was heavy into Animal Crossing because I'd probably <laughs> gotten deep into yeah. it. I got deep into finding like, you know, custom made codes for you know, pathways and other mm-hmm. art and all that stuff and, and clothes and all that. Dude, I got deep into that. Like, I, I didn't know, like, Pinterest groups existed for, here's how you build this and that. Like, oh, fuck. I just recently found, like, two or three channels on YouTube, which was a big mistake for me because I'm glad all I never they looked do that is, up too. <laughs> is they tour, they tour I- themed islands. And it's really fun to watch. I mean, there's Disney-themed islands. There are... You know, they, I mean, they have themes insane. for everything yeah, and it's mm-hmm. so cool, you know, and everything looks so real. Like someone made a, like a restaurant and they took the pizza oven, but they turned it around and put chairs in front of it. It looks like countertop, like bars, like a bar top. Mm. And it's like, huh. oh, it's just a pizza oven that they turned around. And they did that. I would with, have never thought of that, you know? No. And they, they made like Cinderella's castle out of turning silos around and then terraforming and putting silos on three different levels and you have to stand at one specific angle. And I was like, it's fantastic, but like, I do not know how much time went into doing that. And that's what stresses me out because I would love that. But holy cow, and silos are not easy to come by or create or purchase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they have like 15 to 20 of them to make some big castle. I'm glad I never found those either because it's well, a, I'll send them your way. No, please don't. Because <laughs> uh, I basically built my island to look like, you know, the picturesque 1950s small town, right? Okay. And I, I, I love that, you know, like little 
tiny suburbia feel. And then, and then I made, you know, where all the shops are like, you know, the main street type area and all that. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think I want to change that. It's also got a baseball field for, cause I love baseball. Um, and a, a town swimming pool as well too. Oh, all right. There was a there was a small community of um, Twitch streamers and YouTubers that play Mario Maker Two. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with like Grand Poo Bear, yes, Grand Poo Bear and, yep. and those kind of people. So they they did some Animal Crossing stuff when Animal Crossing came out. Um, Dragon Feeny, another one of the streamers, uh, hosted a Survivor. They did Survivor in Animal Crossing. Oh, fuck, would you do that? I tried getting Andy to watch it. Andy didn't like it, but I liked it. I couldn't do it because of the two characters that basically just cheated in the beginning. And I was like, this is silly. Yes, they did. They, it, it wasn't at, fleshed out in the first episode. But if, if it got better than that, I would absolutely circle back to it. The, the, the teams were not even even number of people. And no, that was what wasn't. stressed me. I was like, this should have been even. But yeah. after that, well, how do you play Survivor in Animal Crossing? They just they just had like some obstacle courses and stuff that they set up. And if oh. you win, you got yeah, and then you could vote people. They even had like little uh, cameras set up in the corner of the island. You go there, and do, your you do your confessionals. confessionals. Yeah, it was really well put together. And it was um, an, another another one they did. They did uh, a deal or no deal. They set up. They bought the aluminum briefcases, a bunch of them, and <laughs> set it up and That's did a great. deal or no deal show. Yeah. So see that, that stuff is, sounds fun as hell. Yeah, so that's what uh, that's what I I always kind of wanted to to do obstacle courses and little games and you could buy stopwatches obviously in the game and everything and time people and I thought that would be fun. It's, it's that means way more to me in the game than making my island pretty. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I agree, and it's been fun. I've been using the Turnip Exchange website to trade um, like DIYs and stuff. Now I mm-hmm. learned of that website, so that was cool and people that are like, oh, so-and-so is crafting this thing and you just go pop in, grab it and leave and drop, leave them $5,000 or something. Like I, I only do the ones where you don't really have a, have a fee that you have to pay, but, um, I, I certainly won't get back into that turnip, that turnip game though. That's Mm -hmm. not fun. And it's so much time and it's, you got to get it done in seven days. Nope. I have 10 million bells. That's it for me. It it, it was a lot of fun at first though. Um, like in the beginning of the game, (laughs) Because it was fun trying to get to other people's islands. And then there, there was the one time where my island, like they were selling for like 600 a pop and all <laughs> nice. that. And I had so many people DMing me and all that stuff. And yeah, I made like a bit of bank just on the side besides my own profit that I made. Like I made like, I think close to a million bells just for people leaving me tips and all that stuff. And mm, that's great. Just like, hell that's yeah. Great. I don't know how many Nook Miles <laughs> tickets I have and. But um, oh, that was oh man, that was fun. see. This is where I wish you could have like multiple islands or just yeah something because, like I said, I want to play the game more, but I just have nothing else to do unless I just delete my island and start all over, which I do not want to do. I don't want to do right. all that work again. So well, just make a second account. Can, do you, you need a you, separate switch for that though. You need, oh, a, you separate need a separate switch. switch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just buy another switch. Well, well, we do have two switches, but one's for the kids and they, they, um, oh my God, they're, they play, we had to buy two copies of animal crossing because, um, they, they have, well, not only that, yeah, who wants to share, but holy shit, they're like obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're the ones, I mean, 
we, we used to have one switch before Animal Crossing and then I never gave a shit about Animal Crossing at all. But then when we bought the game because they wanted it and I gave it a try, I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of fun. And yeah. then I'm like, fuck, I need to buy a second switch now. And that's ended up how we got my own switch and the kids have their own. I have the Animal Crossing switch. I was at GameStop that morning. Really oh, early. Nice. Right? nice. I was tired in the dark. <laughs> they had one switch. There were like eight people in line. The guy gets there and goes, uh, who's here for the switch? Literally, we all raise our hand. He goes, I've got one who was here first. It, it, I was very it was me. And they were like, it's yours. Everybody else. I don't have one. Everybody else left. I was like, oh, thank God man. I got here at 4.15 this morning. It was only Gross. like 25 minutes before someone else got there. And we waited until they opened at like, I think it was like 9. Wow. Gl- glad you wow. didn't have any assholes that tried to fight you for it or something. Or... Sitting sitting there and it was it was not warm on the cement in the in the parking lot. That was me. Damn. <laughs> the, the last time I even did something like that was for the Super Nintendo Mini. Um Oh. We, we did a midnight release for it and my my friends and I we um we had to travel to a Walmart like almost a hundred miles away at night to go try and get one because we wanted one so bad and it was fun um really fun to the whole experience was just fun mm-hmm. I just wanna... I've camped out there enough <laughs> I just want to say how happy I am that on the Super Nintendo Mini, they put Super Mario RPG. Yes, I love that. Why haven't they put that on the Switch yet? Like, why? Uh, so, Super Mario RPG is is technically owned by Square Enix. I know, and they just it's, need to shut up and put it on there. Just well, I, I have, I am. It was on. It was on the Wii Virtual Console. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was. So I am actually surprised it's not on the Switch, but they're also they'd rather push Paper Mario or Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which is what came after they said, hey, we don't need to pay Square Enix to make our turn-based RPGs anymore. And I'm sorry, Paper Mario sucks compared to Super Mario RPG. It's, <laughs> I, I, I've only played the 64 one, and, and I did buy the Switch one, and it sucks. I do not like the Paper Mario Switch. It looks awesome. Really awesome. I hate the battle, the combat for it, where everything. That, my has husband to be never like, finished it for that exact reason. He goes, "Well, this was a little repetitive," and he never finished the game. Not only repetitive, yeah. but I don't need like boss battles to be puzzles and all that. So I was like, I, I, I bought this because I thought it was an RPG. I don't want to think. Essentially, oh no! Now you're <laughs> making me think. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, before when you were asking me about my favorite Final Fantasy game, I forgot to ask you if we could pick anything that Square Enix made, because if I could, it would be Super Mario RPG, which features one Final Fantasy boss that you don't have to fight. Yeah. What Final Fantasy was that from? I could I never could. Was it four or I think so. It might have been one of the one of the ones at the time that was only released in Japan because it was too hard for Americans because that's what Japan did with their games back then. Yeah, because what Final Fantasy two and three, we didn't see Final Fantasy two until um, was it PlayStation one, and yeah. Final Fantasy three didn't get released until the DS. I mean, like I I, I I played ROM hacks of them back in the day when, you know, that was all cool to do, but um, but, I'm reading about Culex right now. Yeah, who? The, yeah, I don't remember where the heck he was from, but. I love the hell out of that game. Freaking, um, I just want to see Gino in another game at some point because 
so Gino and Mallow, they, or I love them. So I've been I've been talking to Andy about Gino for years and years and years about years how they now. need to they need to make Gino into a Smash character. They did release a costume for the Me Gunner for Gino, and that's the most we're gonna get as a playable Gino character. It's, it's a shame. That being said, um, I hate Mallow. I think I, I is like my least favorite character in a video game. Wow. He's just a big crybaby. Well, yeah, he thought he was a frog, bro. He's dumb if he thinks he's a frog. He's a cloud. He's literally a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually my favorite section of the game, the Cloud Kingdom. That's uh, a cool... I, that well, boss, that dragon. Oh, so good. Hard. <laughs> Uh, I do like, um, oh, I can't remember his name. The guy that kidnaps Peach right before you get Peach as a playable character. Oh, oh, are you talking about, um, fuck, the, the Booster? Booster. Booster's, yeah. Booster's castle is really... Oh, that, that was fun as hell. Yeah, that's where you yeah. get Bowser, too, right, at, right yep. at the beginning of the castle or the tower or whatever. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you got to save Peach from getting married to Booster. And, and, that, and that's where... You, you can have Mario kiss someone or, or get a kiss from someone, you know, either from Peach or from Booster or Bowser. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that was great. It's really cool. That game was absolutely fantastic. And, and it was just like to see all the bosses in it and stuff, too. And it, it was like, I, I hate to use the word groundbreaking, but it was groundbreaking in the sense that you know, Mario doesn't just have to be a platform game. Yeah, I know there's been other Mario spinoffs, like, at, at least at the time, there was what Mario is missing, you know, yep. Mario's time machine. There was even, like, Mario teaches typing for some educational yep. use. Dr. Mario. It, Dr. Mario. There, Mario. Well, there wasn't Mario Tennis at the time, but he showed up as, like, a referee. Uh, so, yep. so like he he would show up in other games as like some cameo spots but that was like one of the first successful Mario spin-offs if i can yeah. remember and, at the and, time it turned and it turned into the very successful Game Boy Advanced um Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga are those any good because i've never played them at all yes they are very good they're very um Super Mario RPG esque in terms of you know timing on your attacks in order for them to do extra damage and that kind of stuff <laughs> little puzzles here and there in the overworld and nice. yeah no they are fantastic games nice have you ever played them Andy? Played those either. no i have never played the... you know what's funny is i bought one for cheap and it ended up being a fake copy it arrived and it wasn't real oh. i was like well because i'm not playing this <laughs> That's wow. disappointing. <laughs> it was. So I it didn't it work? eBay and it was it was fake. It was yeah. not real. It didn't work at all. No, it, you put it in and it just doesn't work. And I was like, um. You got your well, money that's back, what right? I get for buying a game that I thought was like $10. Um, I don't know how old I was. I don't think oh, I returned okay. it. No, I was just like, I guess I'm not playing this. I went back to playing some other game that I've been playing for forever. Damn. Damn. No, it, wasn't there... Was, there were some of those. Uh, when was the most recent Mario and Luigi Super Saga? Um, I have no idea. There was, I don't even know. It, it's it, been a while. It, it was so. I know. I think the most recent one was. It was. It's called like Bowser's uh, Inside Out or something like that. And basically, you control Bowser from the inside as Mario and Luigi. You get swallowed <laughs> by Bowser, and you fight 
like viruses and stuff that are inside of him. And then at the end, hilarious. It's 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 a very interesting storyline. That's for sure. (laughs) That sounds hilarious. Oh man, um, shit. We're coming up on two hours here, and I know. Yeah. Wow. I know I have to get going. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got a meeting right at eight o'clock for whatever reason they wanted to schedule that. Like okay. Love Which those early suck. morning meetings. I'm not even yeah, going to be like, suck. I'm barely going to be awake during this. And <laughs> I got to like be able to think. That's how um, it is, right? But, and no, I just want to thank you both for coming on. And plus it is getting a little late too. I don't want to, I could keep going with this, but I know I got to be cognizant of people's times and my own time as well too. So, um, Oh, we appreciate that. No, thank you both for coming on. I had a blast just BSing about whatever. We talked about D and D, a little bit of magic. You know, magic was there. Uh, your podcast, <laughs> it's um, Coil learned that the Istari are actually Maya. I'm writing an essay. You're writing. Oh, just look it up. <laughs> I'm writing an essay as to why I think I'm right. I'll write the essay after you finish our session oh. one of our D and D campaign. Okay, deal. Plus okay. our exclusive Patreon okay. content, okay, so. which I am getting close to being done with. Ooh. Okay, so you're not right because Tolkien has even he's said, dead. Wow. Okay, let's just use that. Yeah. He's well, this, dead. This got dark. This yeah. this this podcast this show got dark. <laughs> <laughs> to all you uh, listeners, I apologize. How did this latest episode end? Uh, Coyle said Tolkien's dead, and his opinion doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, so Coyle was wrong about that. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, but we talked a lot of good stuff. Um, and thank you both for coming on. It was great. And um, I look forward to playing some magic with you all some more. And yeah, I, I guess I'll be on your stream. Um, and so yeah. go, go ahead and uh, tell people where people can find you um, on all the socials and all that. Sure. So you can find me um, on Twitter personally at ATFlory. And you can find me on Twitter personally at Wormcoil Engine. And then you can find our show online at theguardianprojectpodcast.com. It's not the, it's just guardianprojectpodcast.com. I just say the all the time. Um, you can find us on Twitter at guardianpod. You can email us at guardianprojectpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash theguardianproject. And on YouTube at youtube.com slash theguardianproject. And then every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash atflory. See, that one's different. That one is different because we're using my Twitch stream to stream for the show. That one is different. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that'll be all in the show notes below. Um, and thank you both for coming on and have a great night. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. for having us. Have a nice night. Hey everybody, thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the show. I had a great time talking with them. Um, Thank you again all for listening and watching out there. I do appreciate you all. And definitely be sure to check out the Guardian Project podcast. They do some great work. Um, Definitely check out their YouTube stream or their uh, Twitch streaming as well. Um, I'll be playing EDH with them on February 11th right now. So look forward to that. And I hope you all have a great night and thank you again.